everybody, welcome to a brand new exciting episode of Not A Bomb Podcast. If this is the first time you're joining us, you found a podcast that goes back and talks about all the movies that bombed, and we reevaluate them. So we're smack dab in the middle of spooky season. I'm one of your hosts, Troy. With me is my partner in crime, Brad. How are you doing this October, Brad? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. How are you? I'm great. So I, I feel like we have been delivering some stellar episodes already, you know, two for Halloween. But now we get to the part where we just start throwing in like um, the full size Snickers in everybody's like auditory, uh, you know, candy sack for. Yeah, you're like me. Like at the end of the night, you have too much candy left. You're like, I can't have this much candy around. So you just start giving handfuls and handfuls to all these little kids. Yes. So that's what we're doing now. Yeah, we're giving handful of just surprises right out of the gate. Usually we have, you know, one guest, one super awesome guest. Well, you know what? We're in the giving season. We wanted to bring two amazing guests onto the show. So I'm going to start with a voice that uh, you're probably familiar with if you've been listening to Not A Bomb Watches. And that's right. None other than our great friend, Sammy, is back. How are you doing, Sammy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm ready to drop my snicker in your candy bag. <laughs> well. And so it begins. And that's a whole different show. <laughs> That would be a number two. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, that's a great segue. So speaking <laughs> of somebody who, you know, that humor just is right up their alley, right? <laughs> We've got our great friend um, who always, it, now I gotta be, I gotta be honest here. When we were programming this show, um, we talked to to this person cause he's, he's been on the show a couple of times. And he basically bribed Brad and I with like full size Snickers, Milky Way, the whole nine yards and said, you have to do this film. It had been on our list. And so we're like, well, hey, this is a perfect time to, to talk about it. So we are bringing back none other than uh, the fantastic Jose. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me back on. I'm happy to be number two. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks, full disclosure. If you're it's listening an, to this episode, event, yeah, it's ooh, an all-star boy, the event. Jokes, the jokes might be. Yeah, they're probably not suitable for work. So um, I'd save I'd save this episode for maybe your drive home. Um, I don't know, your workout routine. Sans, sans kids, maybe. Sans kids. Yeah. I, we're your earbuds, definitely. Yeah. I'll try well, to behave. I'll try to behave. Have you ever walked into any, well, I don't walk into anyone's office now because I work at home now, but. Did you ever walk into anyone's office and they're listening to something that was like a podcast or it was just like, what are you listening to? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's like, what yeah. are you doing? What are you doing? Multitasking. It's called harass people while you're no, at it too. It's like, called multitasking, Brad. I actually, I don't left. mind that part. It's like, come on, dude. We're, yeah. we're professionals I here. I left a true crime podcast on today oh. and left my office and that was a mistake. Mm. Oh, wow. Mm. So, some babies being removed from people and wait, yeah. Wait, do you listen to sword and scale? Yeah, I do. Is that what it was? Okay. <laughs> I was listening to that today too. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I was going to guess Dr. Death, uh, but no. All right. Sammy. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Wait, episode. Good uh, Brad, I can tell you that my podcasting history, most people don't listen to me in their office. I would. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do <laughs> lock the door. Just lock the door. I don't have to yeah. lock the door. Okay. Derailed already. I'm trying to talk movies here. Anyways, listen, Brad, are we going to do this in the beginning or the end? Can you wait till the end or do we got to no, do I can't, this? I can't wait. This email said for your eyes only, and I'm jealous. 
Okay. I don't know what it is. We got an email from a, a good friend, a listener, Chris Evans. Yes, the Chris Evans. Captain America. Yes, he, he sent an that email. Chris Evans? No, not that Chris Evans. No. <laughs> oh. Hey, don't say that. This Chris no, Evans is better than the other Chris Evans yeah. all day long. So, <laughs> oh, If only. Yeah, Chris sent an email, and it was uh, for Troy's eyes only. So I, ha- I had to look at this thing. Brad has not seen this. Um, I respected the uh, the request. It is. So I, Brad said he can't wait till the end of the episode when we typically kind of talk about uh, listener feedback. So we got to do this in the beginning. But the cool thing about this email is everybody can participate. Isn't that fun? Awesome. All right, here we go. It could be. It could be. It Trust me, it's going to be fun. So Troy, it's Chris. <laughs> I got bored at work today and put together a Pulp Fiction trivia for Brad. Full disclosure, I don't know any of the answers, so I think it's pretty difficult. Now we can see what Brad knows about Pulp Fiction. I expect him to get a lot of these, but we'll see. So we're going to see if Brad gets them. If he doesn't, you guys can steal. How's that? Pressure. All right. We'll give it a shot. Are you ready? I've only only seen Pulp Fiction three times, so we'll see how good my memory is. Oh, <laughs> only three. Well, only Brad three. could probably recite the whole thing right now. So, yeah. Okay. You okay. ready, Brad? This is for yeah, Chris. my heart is my heart is racing all of a sudden. Oh, my God. Getting a little sweaty. Hey, yeah. I'm telling after oh. what you guys did when we did the quiz show portion for like the 50 site, you, you knocked it out of the ballpark. All right. Here we go. What is the name of the cafe pumpkin and honey bunny hold up? Uh, Hawthorne Grill. Wow. Right out of the gate. That's awesome. I would never know a detail like okay. that. That's impressive. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Did you? Did either of you guys know that? I did not. Okay. Vincent Vega lets Jules Winfield know that he doesn't watch TV. However, we know that he has seen at least one show. What is it? <sighs> oh, so in the car with Marvin, he talks about cops. Yes, yeah. it's cops. It's cops. Dang. Yeah. I had to think about that one for a second. Wow. Okay. Is, is, I, didn't even, I didn't even realize that. I, I, yeah. <clears throat> oh, wow. This, yeah. this is crazy. Okay. If you were to watch the movie chronologically, what is the last God. scene of the movie? I haven't seen the film chronologically in a long time. Oh, oh, oh. This Bruce is Willis. This is oh, it's Bruce oh. Willis and Fabian on the bike. Yep. Butch yep. and Fabian riding off on Zed's motorcycle. Zed's dead, baby. Zed. Zed's dead, baby. Yep. Zeke. What happened to Zeke? Yeah, <laughs> Fabian might be the most annoying character in cinema history. Oh, she's gorgeous. She's awesome. <laughs> uh, Vincent Vega takes Mia Wallace on a date per the request of Marcellus Wallace. She orders a $5 milkshake, you know, the infamous $5 milkshake, which yes. baffles Vincent because he cannot comprehend that ice cream and milk can cost $5. He tastes it and is impressed, but still cannot justify the $5. What drink does Vincent order? Vanilla Coke. It's amazing. You haven't, you haven't missed wow. one yet. This is crazy. That was, that one was, I believe my boss told you to take me out yeah. and show me a good time. <laughs> wow. Yep. Okay, what yep. time do Jules and Vincent get to the young men's apartment? 7.22 in the a.m. Gee, man, it's Christmas. You're, you're wow. like the, he literally says that in a lot. You're like the rain says, man of like <laughs> Quentin Tarantino trivia. Yeah. Okay. What Certainly of f- Pulp Fiction, either way. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, what floor was Tony Rocky Horror thrown from? Tony Rocky Hara. 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 Yeah. <laughs> oh, he fell four stories. Is, 
So what's your answer? I said four. Four, said four floors. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. not four yeah. stories. It's, I asked how many floors. Wow. You barely got that one. Okay. You fell to a greenhouse. <laughs> yeah. What is the room number of the apartment Jules and Vincent go to? Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, you're going to miss it? Uh, that, that might be. No, no, I know what it is. I know what it is. Okay. It's 416 because I'll, I'll tell you why I know this. I'll tell you why. Is I know he this. right? Yes. Is he right? It's amazing. <laughs> this is this is how I know this. Okay. This yeah. is how my brain works. Okay. okay. 16 is divided by four gets you four. So four times four is 16. So that's how I kind of remember that. Nerd. Okay. That was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why hasn't yeah. Jules eaten a hamburger for a lot of time? Uh, he's dating a vegetarian. Yes, that's his girlfriend is a vegetarian, so pretty much makes him a vegetarian. Yeah. Did you get with Chris and send these in just to no, like these aren't show that hard? Off? These okay. aren't that okay. hard. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh, oh Chris I didn't Evans. Know any of this stuff. All right. Shots fired. When Captain Coons gives Butch the gold watch as a child, what war did he say Butch's grandfather fought in? World War Two. Okay. Yep. That's that's good. I knew that one. I think out of all these, yeah. I knew that one. Yeah. Where does Jimmy live? Yeah, how? Oh, it's like you want in like area? Yeah. You want the area code or area? Well, it's a specific place. It's Oh, Toluca Lake. Yeah. Dang. Okay. Wow. All right. Okay. You you won't know this one. Okay. What is the area code for the town that Jimmy lives in? 818. Cuz he says we don't have any friends in, in the 818. Troy, were you listening? Brad literally said, "Do you want the zip code or do you want the name of the place?" Cuz he said he literally <laughs> says we don't That's have an area code. That's not a zip code. Okay. <laughs> or whatever. If Chris wants to know. I can verify that Brad is just rattling these off. Like right <laughs> off the top it's of the head. I mean, it's pretty impressive. All right. What's, yeah, what's it is very impressive. I'm, I, I'm proud to know this man. How Brad. many do I have left? You have one more. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, what's I mean, Brett? You've already, you've already proven your point, but let's, uh, yeah, let's yeah, just, we got one more. Just, okay. Yeah, just hammer the nail all the way through. Yeah, I got to get them all right now. Yeah. What's Brett drinking from his big Kahuna burger cup? Sprite. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, amazing. Or you just tossed the email. That was amazing. <laughs> <It's> done. Jimmy's <laughs> crazy. Drop the mic. I've never in my life seen that happen. Oh. Holy cow. Well, that's how you start. Chris Evans, Halloween. you could not catch Brad Anderson. He's the Jeopardy champion. I, to be fair, I literally watched Pulp Fiction like three days ago. I'm telling you right now. For, for like you, a thousand times. So. You send yeah. in a Quentin Tarantino quiz of at minimum five questions. And if you can stump Brad, I'll I'll send no, you a, there's, I'll send you a gift there's card. There's a lot of know. stuff I don't know. Whatever. But, I have faith yeah. in you, sir. That's amazing. Look, okay. Like my knowledge of a Gaspar Noé film or something. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I don't even know who that is. Um, you don't know who Gaspar Noé is? No, I, no, I'm does. just joking. He, he's joking. He's totally joking. <laughs> He's totally joking. He knows. By the everything. way, if there's any, if there are any listeners out there who know Quentin Tarantino, I think I'll show him he my is feet. the one who, who should. <laughs> I think he is the one who should quiz Brad. Oh God! And Brad should show him his feet. Brad, hey man, Brad would pass out if. <laughs> oh yes, he would pass out. All the blood would be out of my head. In, I know. Somewhere. Else. Jose, <clears throat> what are we talking about tonight? This was this was you like lobbied for this big time. So what movie are we discussing tonight? We are discussing uh, Blair Witch, which uh, is from 2016, directed by Adam Wingard. And it is a direct sequel to the original 
Blair Witch, The Blair Witch Project, directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez, which, by the way, was made in Maryland. Yes. And I believe that I believe that Eduardo Sanchez actually lives in Frederick, Maryland. Um, yeah, that's what we're talking about. And we're talking completely, about it because it is as ignores uh, Book, Book of Shadows. Completely ignores, completely ignores Book of Shadows. But I think the reason why I, I felt like we should talk about it is because it's it's probably as divisive as the original was, right? So when people saw the original, they either were like, I got sick and I threw up, which is my story. It made me <laughs> nauseous um, and I hated it. Or it was the best thing ever. Like it put found footage kind of on the map, basically. Well, and that's a, um, that's a really good segue. So it, it feels like you can't talk about modern horror films without talking about the found footage subgenre. So, uh, I, and we've talked about this off air. Uh, Sammy had sent some texts around about the amount of found footage films out there. And when, when you go to IMDb and start kind of looking through this subgenre, I, I found like over 500 plus found footage films, which blew my mind. Totally blew my mind. Yeah. There's, there's some weird parameters in there, but I guess if you really think about it, you know, some mockumentary or faux documentary type stuff can be found footage as well. So that takes it up into the 500 range. Yep, absolutely. So yeah. the 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 subgenre, if we call it that, has been used across the board in almost en- every film genre, right? So you have the horror, the sci-fi, the comedy, the action. I mean, it's all over the place, right? Now, generally, 1980 cult horror film Cannibal Holocaust is often claimed to be the first example of found footage. I've got a question for you guys, and we'll we'll talk about our experience with 1999's Blair Witch. But I th- I thought it would be kind of kind of a neat little opener outside of watching Wizkid Brad here totally just nail every Quentin Tarantino Pulp Fiction trivia he's already, thing. He's already stole like all the thunder. He has, yeah. He, he but it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. But I'm I'm curious <laughs> with you guys, like outside of oh guys, stop it. <laughs> let, let's not talk about Blair Witch for a minute. But do you do you have any favorite found footage films? Or I mean, is this a genre that you just don't like? I'm, I'll, I'll start with you, Sammy. I mean, do you have one or two found footage films that aren't Blair Witch that that you've watched often or you consider some of your favorites? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I did have a great experience with Blair Witch. We'll talk about that uh, when we get around to it. Uh, but I do like Blair Witch a lot. Um, there are several. It's funny. I have talked about films for uh, to other people for 13 years in an audio format. And I have said over and over and over again that I don't really care for found footage films. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's funny is going through that list, I like a lot more found footage films than I thought I did. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. Is, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much par for the course of me. I'm like, ah, I don't like rom-coms. And I look at a list. I'm like, Man, I really like rom-coms. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that that's pretty much, I mean, being a movie lover, that's that's kind of what we do, right? We, yeah. we, we, we tend to be very open-minded to most genres. I think I was always kind of reticent to watch them because of the shaky cam and stuff. But you, it doesn't really make me sick. I'm lucky that way. Um, but storytelling can be interesting. So my favorite, when I look through that list... I'm, I'm taking the long-winded approach here. But uh, the one that kind of stuck out to me that I really pushed, I guess, five or six years ago when it came out was uh, Lake Mungo. Oh, okay. Which is uh, a really good one. It's almost like a full documentary type thing. And I really enjoyed that, and it creeped me out, and I had a really good time with it. But there, are, I, I can name 
five easy. I mean, S and M Man is a real good one. That's about uh, a murderer. Uh, Frankenstein Theory is good. It's about uh, potentially the Frankenstein monster being real uh-huh. and in the woods. Uh, okay. we, I think we all uh, enjoy Troll Hunter, or most of us do. Fantastic. Show Jurgen. Yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Great movie. <laughs> and then, those, those are just some of them. Uh, but, I mean, there's so many. I was kind of blown away by how many of those I actually like. But Lake Mungo is the one I would stand. I would plant my flag. Is that Australian? Is that the Australian one? Yeah, it's either Australian yeah. or news or uh, new Kiwi. Okay. Well, you new Kiwi. Yeah, they're different. <laughs> they're different it's places. new Kiwi. <laughs> you recently recommended one that I I picked up, oh, which yeah. was 1974, uh, La Possession de Atier. Is that? I would put that in my top ten now. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. It it went it went places I didn't think it would go, and I just actually watched it this last weekend, kind of based on your recommendation. And man, it's it was a solid entry. It surprised the heck out of me. There's a great moment when uh, everybody leaves the house in that one, and you just sits there, and you're like, "What's going to happen next?" And there's no way you can predict what's going to happen next. I promise you. Yeah, I. And it's agree. just like from that point until the end, it's like ten minutes of just like, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> It, and it it's it does a really good job in terms of building the the suspense and um, yeah. the sounds and everything. Uh, it's uh, shot on eight millimeter, and it was yeah, it's only great. like four or five years old. But uh, you know, check it out. All right, Jose, I'm curious uh, what your I guess found footage recommendations would be. Um, I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of them that are good. Definitely, I haven't seen a lot of the ones that Sammy just uh, named. Um, I have heard Lake Mungo bandied around a bunch. I just never gotten around to it. Um, but I think probably my favorite found footage would be Cloverfield. Um, JJ Abrams, the Matt Reeves, uh, directed Cloverfield. Um, and I just remember actually in a way it had a marketing scheme, scheme, a marketing campaign, kind of like the original Blair Witch, right? There was a lot of secrecy. What was this going to be about? It kind of looks like it's aliens, but what is it? It turned out to be sort of like a hybrid kaiju movie, like alien invasion thing. It was, it's pretty awesome. I remember also that the production title, I think was, they originally called it Slusho, which is a reference to the frozen drink that they drank in Alias, which was a J.J. Abrams show. Um, But uh, yeah, Cloverfield, I think, is probably one of my favorites. When I go into a found footage movie, I tend to like pick out where, you know, this would never have been filmed, right? Or how did it suddenly get this angle if so-and-so was holding the camera? Like what? So that pulls me out of it sometimes. you know, whereas found footage, you know, used to be a segment that was a plot device. Oh, we found a thing and it's going to warn us. Right. And then you go on with the rest of the movie and then suddenly it became the entire movie. Um, but I don't know. Has it seen its day? I think it's pretty much done. Right. Ooh, I don't I don't know. Maybe. Hold on. Mm, we'll we'll oh, see. That, uh, that 1974 La Possession a Day Out there, that's night. That's 2016. Yeah. It's so I think if people are creative enough. Yes. I think yeah. any genre can live forever. Yeah. But we're getting another what paranormal activity film mm-hmm. um on yep. Paramount. So yeah, they're they're coming. They're still there. Yeah. Oh, and that's right. V- VHS ninety four just premiered on yep. on uh was it Netflix or Shutter? That was Shutter. Shutter. 
It was a shutter. Shutter. Yeah. 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 They're still making. I mean, it's. We'll talk about it in detail when we get to the production, but it's it's such a low cost production method to put a film together. So you don't need a huge return in order for it to be, you know, um, and uh, Sammy, for those who can't Sammy's see, holding up his cell he's holding phone, up his cell phone the, and, yeah. and uh, I'm shooting a, I'm shooting a uh, uh, you know, a found, a, footage. Uh, found footage film right now. <laughs> there you go. Podcasting. But if you think about it, the conceit of a found footage film is always like, why are they recording? Well, people right. record everything now. Yeah. So yes. like you can make that conceit if everyone literally has a camera in their pocket. Well, there is sure. I know where Jose's coming from because in every found footage film, there's a moment where you think to yourself, put the damn like, camera down. <laughs> yeah, it's like the old Rodney King joke. Put the da- somebody put the camera down and help me for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> right. you know, I mean, for you know, real. it's like some point, you know, turn the camera off. We got some serious shit going down here. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, to Brad's point, everybody's filming, but you also have like the ring doorbells. You have surveillance cameras. I mean, there, yeah. there's cameras everywhere. So, yeah. all right. All right, Brad, I'm curious. So you, you had like, I don't know, 25 picks. I, I did. And then I you narrowed it down footage. to like 10. Uh, and uh, I so- really, for our horror genre, sub genre, I really, really love found footage. And it, it stems from the Blair Witch Project being like one of my uh, kind of introductions to modern horror. Um, I'm going to go. One of my recommendations is the 2014 film uh, Creep. Ooh, ah, starring, uh, yeah. Uh, Mark Duplass. Uh, that one just is so makes you so uneasy the whole time. And then at the very end, it, it kind of goes where you think it's going to go. And uh, Duplass is really good in that movie. Um, that's a Patrick. Bryce, I think is his name, uh, directed that. Um, excellent movie. Excellent movie. Runtime is like 80 minutes, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's like pretty it's short. short um, the second the sequel's, not, sequel's, bad. sequel's not bad. It's not as good as the first one, but um, I was going to mention uh, Cloverfield because it, it brings in the sci-fi, uh, but it's already been taken. I will actually go to bat for uh, the paranormal stuff. Like that first paranormal activity, I think is really, really good. Um it it definitely builds that tension, and um, the second one also has a conceit where they like put the camera on like an oscillating fan, so you you know they're they're always thinking about that was the, third, that the one. third one that was the third okay one. whatever, but they're always kind of thinking about well why would these people be filming this or how can we you know show both characters at the same time because you know if one person's holding a camera and the other person's talking you don't see the other person so. I'm pretty um, sure they stole that shot from Scott Spiegel's directorial from Dust Till Dawn Part 2. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's all I'll say. Um, there's, a deep, yeah, there's, a deep, there's a deep cut for yeah. Sammy. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the second one, the second one is with the rich family with yeah. the big TV. The pool. The third, okay. the yep, yep. With the pool. Yep. Okay. Those are mine. Those are mine. Okay. Troy, have you, have you gone? Uh, no, so there's two that I think of. There's there's one that I think of this genre. It affected me. Like after it was over, I had to sit there for a minute and was like, wow, that that was really good. And it was, I thought it was pretty powerful in terms of what it was saying. And then my second one is one of my favorites. And it's one of my favorites because I love the film, but it's also one of my favorites because of how I saw the film. So I'm going to talk about the first one. Um, Man Bites Dog from 1992. So it's a French film. And the whole yeah, premise, a, a personal favorite of mine. Go figure. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> you, you, would would this be um, transgressive Trans- cinema? Yeah, that, that is definitely transgressive <laughs> cinema. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and if you haven't seen it, uh, you got to have, I think, a strong stomach for it uh, because 
It is very realistic, but it's a it's isn't a film. Bel- isn't it Belgium? Isn't it from Belgium? Is it Belgium? Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's yeah, it's basically a film. Actually, crew. Joy is from Belgium. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Belgium. There you go. I'm on Sorry. a roll tonight. Joy. You are don't, on a roll. Don't they cross speak me. French. In- We're not gonna call him Brad anymore. We're calling bread butter. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> on a roll, baby. On a roll, baby. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure everybody's seen it then, right? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, everybody here has. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's the one I'd say that most people have. I mean, it's in the Criterion Collection. Yes. It's been around. It, it was one of the first uh, films that I really pushed to try to find back when I was. It was really hard to find movies. Right. And uh, mm. I bought the laser disc. That's, that's how I saw well, the cover the first was time the was reason why I saw that film. The cover, literally, with the guy with the gun and like yeah. shooting it. Like that was the reason I was like, okay, I need this. Whatever I this is, I need to see it. Genuinely shocked when I saw that. Movie. I was too. I mean, it it was a gut punch. Where it go? I, I didn't. It's one of those I didn't expect yeah. where it ends. And yeah. then after yeah. it's over, you're just kind of sitting there, like, uh, and, and like you see. I mean, the first time I saw it was Laserdisc, and after after I watched it, it was like, holy cow, what did I just see? I mean, it. It messed with me a little bit, but, um, it, you know, it, it's saying something, uh, and, and I, I think it's more relevant now than even back in 1992, unfortunately. So if you haven't seen it, folks, and, and you want a, a good example of transgressive cinema, there you go, Man Bites Dog. So the, the rabbit, one of my favorites, um, and I recommend this to a lot of folks, is actually directed by one of the guys who directed the original Blair Witch. And that's Eduardo Sanchez. So here's the story. A few years ago, when I was still living in southern Indiana, there was a film festival that I had held. Holler. Huh? Holler. (laughs) Southern Indiana. There you go. Uh, There was a film festival I I was helping out with. And... um, the opening night film was the debut of 2014's Exists. So it was Eduardo Sanchez's um, new film at that time. And it's it's the found footage film, but it's done from, you know, it, it, the topic is Bigfoot, right? Sasquatch. And, and what I love about it is you kind of talked about paranormal activities, sort of doing things different with the camera, et cetera. I found found footage films very hard to get into, but when it's done right, you're like totally in it. So to your point, Jose, you're always looking for that thing, like how did they film that, et cetera. Exists has like two sequences that just knock my socks off, and it's one when he's trying to escape on the bicycle, and then the second when he's in the camper sort of RV thing, and it gets knocked off the cliff, et cetera. I think they're just brilliantly filmed, but what I love about this film is just the tension how it builds and then you almost get like the last part of it just becomes like this horror action sequence um and i love it but when when it debuted so greg hale who's a producer for blair witch and this is actually from henderson kentucky so i've run into him many many a times and uh, know him from an acquaintance so when blair witch came out he came you know to evansville indiana and my wife and i met him and we've got signed stuff from greg hale and everything else but the exist party was fantastic because we got to premiere the film and then um, went to the bar and, and uh, had some cocktails with Eduardo and Greg and it, it was it was a good night, man. But exist is absolutely a blast to watch. I, I think it's a fun, scary found footage film that just the the last 15, 20 minutes, I actually think are, are probably the best of the genre. It's that good. Yeah. 
I thought you were going to say Hell House LLC. I thought you were a really big fan of that movie. I thought that was going to be one you were going to pull out. I like the first one, man. Those yeah. those, those other tunes are, are just crap to bed, man. Terrible. We should mention, We should mention. I kind of mentioned this in our texting, but even big name directors have tried this. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Brian De Palma's tried. Even M. Night Shyamalan tried one. The visit, yeah, I think The Visit's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. I, so I'm getting ready to go on a Shyamalan a fun. Shamalamathon. Shamalamathon. Wow, yes. <laughs> uh, it's kind of twisty and turvy. Well, I haven't watched anything past the happening. I stopped at the happening and I haven't watched anything he's done since then. Oh. Oh, I Eric, well, he a gets teacher. a lot of crap, but I love him. I yeah. love him. So I want to check out even the big budget stuff he did. I want to check all that stuff out. So. Okay. Well, the Blair Witch. I mean, it, this is where it all started back in 1999. I, I mean, that was the one that put this genre on the map, right? So, Blair it, Witch Project. The Blair, uh, the Blair yeah, Witch the Blair Project. Witch Project. So, it had a budget of anywhere from 200 to 500 thousand dollars. Ends up worldwide raking in like 248 million dollars. Now, what's fascinating is it was a huge box office success. I, I to your point, Jose, it was very divisive, and uh, I found this fascinating. The, the awards that it got nominated for, it was nominated for the 20th Golden Raspberry Awards, and it won one. Heather Donahue won for Worst <laughs> Actress that year. And Ooh, um, producers Robin, Robin Cowie and Greg Hale were nominated for Worst Picture, which is which is totally dumb. Um, yeah. Well, I think the Heather Donahue thing is kind of unfair, too. Yeah, yeah I, I think they're that both performance dumb. And then look at, I won't spoil I, my I, thing, but, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, no, uh, I, I agree, but it's <laughs> I, this... Her I mean, reputation we, now, she tries to distance herself from this project now. She doesn't want anything to do with it. That's why you never see Heather Donahue uh, tied to anything. You'll see the other two actors, Joshua right. Leonard, and you'll see the other guy, but you will not see uh, her. Uh, Actually, as stage I, I think as an actor, I think as an actor, Leonard had the most success out of all of them, yeah. but Donahue was rarely in anything. And that's, yeah. she's probably distancing herself from the project because she got pegged for the project. Right. Yeah. I remember, I remember sitting on my couch one day watching football or baseball and she showed up in a steak and shake commercial. <laughs> I think oh, I remember I that commercial too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She I also had a couple supporting roles, like in, in some TV shows she cropped up and I'm like, <laughs> I want to apologize to my mom. My dad. I do know know she's a big medical marijuana advocate now too. So, well, there you go. Well, so we, uh, we all saw this film in the theater when it came out and I'm, I, if you were there, I mean, it was a, it was a cultural zeitgeist, right? So the, the thing about it was, it was the only theater I've ever seen a movie in that was completely sold out and people were sitting on the floor. Yes, I had the same experience. And what was crazy was, it, talk about a movie. That's a fire hazard, I believe. That that just, is a, that is I was about law. to say that. Yeah. That, it is totally against the law what they did. <laughs> but talk about a film that totally captured the water cooler conversation because they were releasing sort of faux documentaries about the Blair Witch and Burkittsville and everything else leading up to the film. And there's all this press. Is it real? Did it really happen? Et cetera, et cetera. And then everybody goes to see, I, like, I didn't know anybody who didn't see the Blair Witch. So, Jose, you you talked about your first experience, and, and it was a little rough for you. How, how did that go? So, um, the shaky cam, yeah. basically. Uh, obviously, found footage. They're, they're filming it. And I think in that movie, too, they were filming both 16-8, because you hear Heather say a lot, like, I want to get it on on 18 or, or, or whatever she says. Yeah. 
I want to get on Super 16, something, I don't know. Anyway, they're filming in two different formats and they're holding the camera and it's shaking and it's moving and there's all this screaming and then they're running around and and it just, yeah, it it made me nauseous. I had to run outside and like, there was a line for like the next showing and I had to like, I like come bounding out of the exit and I'm like, and I'm like <laughs> ralphing on the side of the Charles movie theater. And all these people are like, oh, what, what? And I'm like, it's the Blair Witch. It's making me nauseous. And then I went right back in and, and finished the rest of the film. But um, wow, I think what was great, I think what was great about this experience was, you know, the internet was still kind of like new. We were still dialing in, you know, to like, to get to the internet. And I remember, you know, just this like, you know, research the legend, right? right? And you would go on to this Blair Witch website, which was made up by the studio and the, and the creators. And, you know, I'm reading this stuff about like, you know, Rustin Parr and like the witch and, and you know, Burkittsville, Blair, all of that. And it just sort of like, it's like, oh, what am I going to watch? What am, I, what am I going to expect? And so it was kind of interesting, the synthesis of the uh, pre-marketing and then going to it and not knowing what to expect. And of course, the hype, you know, scariest movie, you know, out there, uh, scarier than The Exorcist, a new a new milestone in modern horror. Um, and you just see those things and you're just like, I got to go, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but then, you know, it was really divisive, too. Some people were like, nothing happened. They screamed and they ran and they, they saw wood creatures and, and nothing, you know. And so some people just didn't buy into it. But I think the people that did buy into it obviously made it the success that it was. So Brad, this was uh, a, a big movie for you because you started driving about this time. <laughs> yeah, this was when I got my driver's license yeah. in, in 1999. Um, so along with the Blair Witch Project and Scream, which was came out three years earlier, these were like my two like these are modern horror films for me. Like these are these is my introduction to modern horror. Yes, so like I, I've seen the 80s stuff and all that, but to me, horror starts in 1996 with Scream. Um, that could be blasphemous for some people, but I was 13 years old. Scream was the end all be all for a horror yeah. movie for me. Every um, generation has their. Yeah. Their yeah. Three years later, my life changed when I saw the Blair Witch Project. Um, we saw it at the Kentucky Theater, which is downtown Lexington. It's a very old, cool theater. Yeah. I've um, been there. I've been there. Yeah. We, you know, I, be I believed everything that the film was, you know, feeding me. I remember uh, seeing episode one um and there's a trailer for this film on uh, right before episode one um i know so if you think about it like they did something right there where you're like oh i really didn't know anything about this blair witch project but i'm seeing a trailer right before star wars film i'm going to see this thing um and then a few months later i did um and it was just a moment in time that i will never forget like the blair witch project seeing that in the theater is probably a top 20 event for me in my whole entire life. Just the, what it did and my friends and I, and just being in this moment where you're a kid, you're going by yourself to the theater and you're letting yourself like be scared. That's another thing. Like people are like, Oh, scary movies don't scare me or anything like that. And it's like, when you go to see a comedy, do you just not laugh? Do you not laugh when you see a comedy? Cause to me, that's kind of what, a horror film is you can just kind of give yourself up to the film and let it do its thing. And if it's tense, like be tense, if it's scary, be scared. Um, so I, 
I mean, I, I will ad- freely admit after it was over, we all drove over to my friend's house and we all stayed in the same house together because we was like, I am not going home. I'm not. <laughs> no, my, my bedroom was in the basement. I'm not going home sleeping in the basement by myself. So, uh, yeah, I, the Blair Witch Project is literally one of my all time favorite movie going experiences. Wow. OK. Now, Sammy, outside of the fire hazard, how was your experience? <laughs> Uh, it was great. Uh, we and how much did you get from that class action lawsuit? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, you see, I'm podcasting in storage. Uh, um, <laughs> the uh, the experience I had, we so we had a wedding to go to that weekend. So a bunch of us, the guys. Wait, uh, we did. Can I can I ask a question? Because uh, I, I know where you're from, and I know where I'm from. Was it a wedding or was it a wedding? It's a wedding. Okay, a wedding. awesome. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was yep. a wedding. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. But it got hitched. Yep. yep. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I'm, I'm trying to keep my I'm trying to keep my KY uh, in the back. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> what? <laughs> Not hey, that KY. Yeah, you're. Oh Jesus, Kentucky. I'm sorry. You're, you're Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> the abbreviation. Yes. Oh, uh, Troy's abbreviation for Kentucky is KY. You <laughs> knew. You knew his head was gonna go yep. there too. So. Yep. You're acting all innocent, like, oh, I just said KY. Right. Well, you sure. forgot who was in the I did this just kind of lay that one out there. Yeah, you did. Um, so we we all got together, we did the little bachelor party thing. It was it was a very this buddy of mine was getting married, he's very religious, so it wasn't a typical bachelor party. He didn't want any of the, you know, the the fun stuff, so to speak. Um so we titties. Yeah. So he's like he's like, let's go to a movie. And I'm like, I'm always down for a movie. Let's go to a movie. So let's go see Blair Witch. So we go, it's packed, like I said. I tell you, my experience with the movie was profound. Uh, I can remember people in the theater. I can remember the way that theater smelled that night. which It smelled like people because there was a lot of people in there. <laughs> but what I love about the, what I've always taken away from the movie, and I, I had a, I mean, I had a genuine scare from the film too. But what I, I miss about movies like The Blair Witch, it ends with a punctuation. Yeah. And it doesn't explain itself to the audience and it, the lights come up and now it's up to you. And I miss that. I, I miss that with movies. Uh, now, you now every time I go to a movie, I got to Google if there's a post credit scene. So that way I don't take my son out of the movie because he will eviscerate me. If you <laughs> that we have left and there was a post credit scene. So not only do I have to do that, now I have to Google, is there a mid post credit scene <laughs> and a post post credit scene, right? Because that's the world we live in now. And I'm not complaining. I enjoy those post-credit scenes. But I like when a movie ends with a punch. I like that. And I, this one, I, the, the original Blair Witch, it's a hell of a punch. I mean, it, I love the ending. It's so simple, too. And it is, uh, yeah. I find it, I find it to be still a very uneasy and terrifying film. I agree. I, I had the same experience all of you guys had, minus the vomiting. Jose didn't do that. But there there were people at, at our showing that had to leave because they were, you know, going to go up Chuck. Uh, and, and I remember Tabitha. I, I found it super creepy and was scared. But Tabitha was just terrified. And I think for her, this is like one of the scariest <laughs> movies that she's ever seen. And she still gets freaked out by it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it it is a hundred percent one of those movie going experiences that you're going to like continue to tell your kids. And ah, I remember seeing that movie back in, you know, when it was released. Cause I remember my dad telling me stories when he saw the exorcist 
and the priest standing outside and, you know, telling everybody don't go in and, and the hoopla for that. And for me, where he had the exorcist as that sort of, he's got a story about going to the movies to see this scary film, Blair, Witch was my story of, yeah, I remember when Blair, Witch hit and us going to the film and, you know, everything surrounding that event, which, which made it fun. I I don't, I mean, I can't remember the, the last uh, kind of event film that caused that kind of discussion. I mean, it, it hits every once in a while. Six Sense kind of did. Yeah. Yeah, Six Sense was an event. Yeah. Um, I mean, Uh, Titanic was take or leave it, but avatar had its moment where it was just like, avatar was an event. I mean, everybody kept going. Yeah. Yeah. And I went once and I was like, why do people keep going to this thing? But, you know. but, but even now it, it's kind of like the Marvel films and stuff like that, you know, they continue to go. And, you know, I, I saw the last James Bond film and you're like, well, it's the last Daniel Craig film, but it didn't feel like an event. It just felt like a piece of a franchise because it's going to keep going. So <laughs> I, I agree. All the, all the, all the movies you listed seem to be like an event, but I can't remember something that had the cold. Say what you say about the sixth sense. It didn't have the impact that the Blair Witch did. So I think it was, everybody was like, oh my God, the twist. And, and I think it was, um, a, a huge impact for film, but I think the Blair witch kind of shook up the industry, um, for what it was doing at that time. And I, I can't remember the last film that's, that's had that kind of impact, not just in its storytelling or people talking about it and the twist and everything else, but really kind of made Hollywood's kind of take notice of, Hey, here's a genre and it can be super successful um, and it doesn't cost you a lot of money yeah, and, and it's cheap and it's cheap. It's cheap. So, um, which leads us. Well, I think, Oh, go I ahead. think Jason, Jason Bloom, the, the producer, mm-hmm. I mean, he sort of made a fortune just on that. The idea that you can have a great movie, you can do scares. It doesn't have to be so out there. And then you can, you know, you can make a ton of money back. And I think also what what makes Jason Blum different from other producers too is he allows the the filmmakers to also be a part of that, like in terms of like profit sharing or this and that. Yeah. One other thing until we set a segue. <clears throat> it's funny you mentioned The Exorcist because, you know, obviously people remember that about the like the head turning around and the vomiting and you know whatever it's it's really there it's in your face it's you know f me and you know fingering herself or whatever very crazy but i think what made blair witch so scary was not knowing what you were going to see or thinking when you know you're looking at this inky black grainy dark area and it's like it's something out there what's out there and and it just really sort of reinforced that sometimes it's scarier what you don't see. I mean, that was Blair Witch was literally like a, a fun house. It was all sound and vision and and design that way. And that's what gets you scared. That's what freaks you out is because it's the it's the atmosphere. It's like you're stuck in the woods with them. And you know, if anyone's ever been in the woods at night with only a flashlight, it is a horrible place to be. It is anxiety ridden. Like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. You hear hear things you didn't even know existed. Yeah. And you know, and the movie totally played with that. You know, you got the kids, you know, laughing or whatever. And then the booms and like, what is that? And then Josh is screaming, Josh, (laughs) you know, so. (laughs) No, you're right. I, I, it, and and camping is just scary. Like it is. Camping Camping sucks. Yeah. It is. This scares me. Yeah, not a fan. The one the one thing about that movie though is when 
Mike is laughing and he says, I kick the damn map into the river. Like that is the part that always infuriates me, but it's also a weird plot point. Like it wasn't doing anything for us. I don't want to be lost, but I kicked it into the river anyway. Yeah. And that was the one thing that I just can still never get around that he like jettisoned the map. (laughs) I I find that Blair Witch has more in common with the film, like the original haunting, because it's all to your point, Jose, it's all about the sounds it's not going to present the ghost to you or whatever it is. It's going to infer a lot. And then you're left um, to Sammy's point. What happened? Right. And the haunting same way was, was she crazy or was there, you know, it was actually haunted. So I do, I do miss those films. I Blair, Witch reminds me of something I saw where it's um, it, it reminds you, like you said, camping in the dark, et cetera. It's not, you're afraid of the dark uh, or it's, how, how do I say it? it's, it's not that you're afraid to be alone in the dark. It's that you're afraid that you're not alone in the dark. That's what the Blair Witch does. So Which in the woods, the in the woods, yeah, in the woods, you're you're never alone in the woods. Yeah, the and dark. and it it accentuates that, and it and that's where I think a lot of the frights come. But we're hey, going to talk fun, about wait, wait, oh, one second. Fun yeah. exorcist story. Uh, oh. When I rented it one time, took it over to my mom and dad's house. When I stopped by, and they're like, "What'd you rent?" I was like, "Oh, blah blah blah, The Exorcist." I'm going to rewatch that one. And my mom's like, "What is she?" I tell, tell me about what she does with that cross <laughs> and elbows me in my ribs. Oh my so that's God. the kind of mom I grew up with. <laughs> what? This is the reason why I love Charles. She, she could have gone somewhere else too. Like that. No, I won't say it. Yeah. 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 Let's she, go. She, she, <laughs> Brad. Brad. She loved that. Time to move, time to move on to the next segment. She loved that cross scene. She yeah. We're talking about Blair Witch from 2016. <laughs> <laughs> moving on <laughs> before before brad just totally derails this so listen me uh brad let's let's talk about the financials and the critical response so yeah. there is a reason why this is on a show called not a bomb mm. and it mm. actually has nothing to do with the finances right not really so like you said earlier um well we'll get we'll get into it yep. Blair Witch released um september 16 2016 which fun little note was the last film that my wife and I saw together before we had our first child. Oh, Max was born a month after this Aww. film came out. So she was like, check out what he does. Check out what he does with that cross. Thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs> uh, yeah. So we, we saw this, um, as our, our last single parents, uh, film, uh, uh with a budget of $5 million. So you, grosses, you saw, this is the last film you saw with actual sleep. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And (laughs) five years later, I'm still trying to catch up. Um, Box office total was $45 million. Domestic total was 20.7 and international was 24.3. Now you're going to say that sounds like it made money. That's a hit. did. But Troy, when you put into context, the Blair Witch Project cost half a million dollars and grossed $250 $250 million. So the studio essentially said, well, yes, it made money, but we wanted it to make two or $300 million. They always like do. Yeah. original. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, opening weekend, it makes $9.5 million, which is pretty good take, but not, not great. Ranked number two behind Mr. Sully from the, uh, the Sully movie. Um, and, uh, Wow. I'm sitting here thinking about Monsters, Inc. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, yeah, Sully. Sully. Yes. I've, I've never seen no, Sully. The I've, guy who flies the plane and saves I've, everyone's life. I've never I've never seen that. Oh, it's actually halfway decent. Um, <clears throat> but a Monster Zeke is better. Let's just be honest, it's better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, critically, it sits at a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 40 or 31%. Oh, so ouch. Pretty close. Ouch. Um, but not favorable. Um it was released alongside films such as, here we go, um, The Light Between Oceans. Does anyone remember that movie? Nope. No, no is one does. The Light Between Oceans? Is that Michael yeah. Fassbender? And Fassbender, yep. yep. Alicia Vikander? Yes, that's the film I believe uh, they yeah. met on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yes. I, that's and what I know. That movie. Yeah, that's the yeah. only thing I know about that movie. <laughs> uh, the Disappointments, Disappointments Room, Sully. Um, it was a disappointment. Just, I will tell yes, you that. Was. Disappointment's <laughs> room was quite a disappointment. Sucks. That movie sucks ass. Uh, Bridget, <laughs> Bridget Jones's Baby, which I believe is the third one. Uh, Snowden. Third one. Uh, the remake of The Magnificent Seven. Storks. Um, Storks. Oh, yeah, DreamWorks animation. Storks is hilarious, so I will defend uh, that movie. Deep, <laughs> deep, Water, deep Water Horizon. Masterminds. And Mr. Per- Mrs. Miss Peregrine's House of Particulars. So, hmm. uh, yeah, that, not a bad month, but yeah, that makes me feel old. Those that release schedule makes me feel like they don't it's make only, movies for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, uh, they sure don't. <laughs> well, they made I one. Mean, it was called Sully, and you didn't go see it. <laughs> yeah, they made a dad movie, and you missed it. Yeah. So. Uh, he looked like a retired Mr. Pringle man. That's yeah. why I didn't go see it. Then um, he saved a lot of people's life. Yeah. Well, okay. I think I would. I, th- I would have liked Flight more. I didn't even see Flight, but at least then, Oof, I know no, Flight talking. was. Yeah, Denzel giving yeah, a yeah. hell of a performance. Um, so between that and Pulp Fiction, I think I'm done for the night. So no, I, I will just sit back. So actually, Brad, should... there's there, there's one other thing I have to add. Okay. Apparently, it's Cinema Score was a D plus. Yeah, I did see Cinema Ooh. Score was a D plus. Yep. And Not apparently true. that is all right up there with King Kong Lives, Punch Drunk Love, which, by the way, is actually a pretty good movie. Punch Drunk movie. Love and The New World. The, those movies got D-plus cinema scores. Mm. Hey man, okay. I like King Kong Lives. <laughs> uh, me too, right? <laughs> well, I kind of like all those Brian Kerwin, Linda Hamilton, Pre-Terminator. It's better than the Wingard Kong film. I so oh, hey, now we're fighting. Oh, wow. Okay, wow, thrown down. All right. Shots fired. <laughs> but I here's the other thing we just kind of uh mentioned a little bit. So this is a direct sequel to the Blair Witch project, but there was a sequel, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. And I find this fact fascinating. So the one we're talking about today had a five million dollar budget and ends up making what almost fifty million. Yeah, and um, Blair Witch Two: Book of Shadows had a fifteen million dollar budget and made forty seven million. So about you know they ended up roughly the same place, but spent mm. you know ten million dollars more. And I don't, I don't I, we won't spend a lot of time here, but um, thumbs up or thumbs down on Book of Shadows, uh, Jose? Do you? <laughs> oh, Brad's a no. Thumbs that movie way sucks. down. That movie poopy. Jose's absolutely down. poopy. I'm Sammy. Are you oh. thumbs up? I am thumbs up. I'm thumbs up too. What? Yeah, you guys, you guys are ridiculous. I mean, it's got that new metal soundtrack. It does. It does have some I mean, new. It's got a lot of fart rock. Yep. Okay, soundtrack is good, and it did introduce the world to Jeffrey Donovan, who is quite an amazing actor. I think. Um, but it was crappy. 
no, uh, no, no. I think we and it wasn't found footage. It, the direction it went in was actually so. Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard are on record as saying that they didn't like the direction that Book of Shadows went into, and they wanted to sort of reset not reboot or remake which they've been accused of but they wanted to sort of like reset Blair Witch um and you know potentially maybe have another franchise and what what have you and then do it in the found footage sort of frame of mind i think that was the biggest disappointment of book of shadows was it wasn't found footage no no it was a straight up horror film i like what they did with it i know we don't want to spend much time on this um I would like when all of us get together, which will sometime, I'm sure will happen at some point. Yes. We should all watch it together. I, I agree. We should. I think that would be awesome. The, the unrated or directors, is, did they release a director's cut? I'm not, I'm not sure. No, but I think Joe Berlinger is the director, and I think Berlinger is a really good director. Yeah, so there is a Berlinger cut floating around. It's never been officially released. I think the mm. one that's on the DVD, I, I can't remember. I haven't seen it for a while, but I, I do remember watching in the theaters and kind of liked to, to Sammy's point, it wasn't found footage, but I like what they were trying to do. And then I gained more appreciation on it. The couple of times I seen it afterwards, but yeah. that may be, you know, I, I agree with Sammy. Well, we, we may have to sit down and watch that together and record while we're watching. The it. Record, be fun. I don't think it's a great film, but I think I, I found it entertaining. So. I, I'm, is Barry, yeah. Barry Engler, is he the paradise lost guy? Paradise lost yeah. trilogy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I thought, man, if the, the way this format works is Brad does the numbers. Um, I'll go through behind the camera, in front of the camera. But we got like you two and you guys know like everything. So I get to take a vacation and hand it over to Jose. And we're going to start with the people behind the camera. Because the reason why you really push for this is because of Adam, correct? Like you were on a Adam. Yeah. So. If he ever listens, if Adam Wingard ever listens to this, I probably have sort of a unhealthy obsession with him. Um, I'm, I, I, uh, I very much find him attractive, but I also find him very uh, talented um, as a filmmaker. If you watch each one of his movies, you can really see a filmmaker evolving. Um, if you look at his roots, where he comes from, it's independent filmmaking, like low budget. Mumblecore is one of the Mumblecore movement right. um, filmmakers. And just the way that he sort of evolved from that. And it's primarily with his writing partnership with Simon Barrett. So Barrett and Wingard are responsible for this movie, Blair Witch. They also did together um, in 2010, A Horrible Way to Die, mm -hmm. um, which was also, it, you know, it, People call it a horror movie, but it's really just more um, it's like a different perspective on telling a serial killer story. Um, and it's actually really tragic. And they work in the metaphor of like addiction as well. Um, you know, it's a very low budget film, but very, you know, it was really well done. It actually got uh, best screenplay actor and actress at the Fantastic Fest um, a horror jury prize when it was released in 2010. Um, Adam, on that particular um, shoot, he was the director, the editor, the camera operator, and the music supervisor. So Wingard, is a, he's a little bit of like, he, he does ev almost everything in a lot of his earlier films. Um, so after that, he followed it with um, an anthology uh, movie with Joe Swanberg called Auto Erotic. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it. It's it's actually quite funny. It's it's kind of a mumblecore thing about like sexual expression. 
Um, Adam is in it and he is naked, but uh, he acts in it and <laughs> co-directed oh, here, it. Here we go. Okay. Got it. All right. I'm putting nope. two and two together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the way to my heart is to, you know, for you to do nudity in a movie and there then like, I'm your fan. Uh, <laughs> uh, then he also had done a bunch of, uh, other mumblecore films while he was sort of, you know, waiting his turn to do projects. And then he and Simon did uh, Your Next in 2011. Adam was the Fantastic director, the movie. editor. Amazing. He film. did like music for it. It premiered at Midnight Madness at TIFF, um, which is where Lionsgate picked it up. So that happened in 2011, but it didn't go wide until about two years later, which is when everybody was like, oh, have you seen that? You, you know, you're next. And it's like, nah, we already went there. <laughs> but um, but it was a mar- it, you know, honestly, it wasn't a big box office success, but it was a good critical success. Um, it won awards at the Austin Fantastic Fest, uh, Best Actress. Sharni Vinson, Best Film, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Simon Barrett, and it was nominated at a ton of other festivals. Um, after that, uh, you know, Barrett and Wingard sort of explored the whole found footage thing because they also were behind um, producing and doing the wraparound segments for VHS and then VHS 2. So they did Tape 56 together, which is the wraparound segment for the first VHS. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in VHS 2, um, Barrett and Wingard did phase one clinical trials and Adam actually acted in it. He got like a, an implant in his eye, um, which was also being videotaped. And then they did the wraparound sequence tape 49, which is actually a prequel to the other one. Um, and then they followed that up with 2014. There's a fly in here. I'm sorry. They uh, followed up, followed that up with uh, 2014's the guest, which, you know, um, if you've listened to all of the commentaries on their movies, like I have, I've obsessively listened to them. Actually, I probably heard the commentaries for each one of the movies, like three or four times. <clears throat> oh, wow. um, but if you, you know, if you, if, if you listen to them talk, like, you know, Wingard never wants to repeat himself. And it's always about looking at a story and trying to find a fresh perspective, but also making sure that the audience, you know, is getting what they want to see and sort of subverting their expectations and just making something fun. Like that's their big equation. They just want to make something fun. Um, that was their whole aim behind like Godzilla versus Kong, which, you know, I know Sammy had already sort of mentioned something about that, um, but they just want to make something fun. And so the guest was part of what they were doing. That film was inspired by Halloween and the Terminator. Um, and then it, you know, obviously it brings us to Blair Witch in 2016. Um, but after that, Adam Wingard directed the pilot for Outcast, which was the Cinemax series based on the Robert Kirkman comic series. Right. Um, and then he did 2017's Death Note for Netflix. And basically, after You're Next, The Guest, he sort of became, he and Simon Barrett became sort of like internet famous in a way, like through Twitter. But it was the combination of The Blair Witch and The Bad Reception and Death Note's vociferous fans sort of like going after them on Twitter that actually drove Wingard off of social media. He has an Instagram account, but he deleted his Twitter account just because, I mean, he was getting death threats over Death Note. Like, you screwed up my, you know, my manga treasure. You should die. We're going to find out where you are. And it just was, it was terrible, you know? Um, and then, of course, he directed Godzilla versus Kong, which, you know, premiered March 2021 after the pandemic. And it's widely regarded as as um, one of the few films that got people back into the theaters. Because remember, uh, you know, the stu- uh, 
Hollywood industry was sort of like, you know, day and date's never going to work. If people can choose to watch it at home, they're going to watch it at home. But Godzilla versus Kong changed all of that. I mean, it was it, it was a massive uh, people showing up to actually see it in the theaters. And it was only the second film in 2021 to pass 100 million um, behind A Quiet Place 2. Um, so, yay, Adam Wingard brought back um, exhibition theater and, and watching movies in the cinema. <laughs> hey, um, yeah. Talk about, talk about his, what he's doing next. Talk about what he's doing next. So, um, again, if you've listened to their commentaries, like, uh, so we have a common friend, Randy, and Randy likes to, you know, sort of say, like, these are your people, right? <laughs> um, again, listening to the commentary, I feel like, Barrett and Wingard are our people. Like they talk a lot about the horror movies that they love, the Hong Kong cinema that they love. Um, they are huge John Woo face-off fans. Um, and then they went back and obviously looked at all of his uh, Hong Kong cinema um, filmography. But Wingard and Barrett will be writing a direct sequel to Face Off. Um, it is not a remake. It is a direct sequel to it. And then they also will be launching the Thundercats um, now, I don't know if that's live action or if it's animated. I thought I heard it might be live action, um, but apparently Adam Wingard and his his brother, Chris, were like obsessed with um, the Thundercats. <laughs> or who is um, it? I mean, come on. I know. Uh, and then a little bit more behind the camera, um, the executive producers are Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. They were the directors of the original The Blair Witch Project. So believe it or not, this actually has their blessing mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the, they didn't get, just go rogue and like make the movie without their blessing. Greg Hale's also um, an EP on this, an executive producer. The creative producer, Jason Constantine, who actually bought Your Next, um, but he's also had producing hands or EP hands in like the Saw series, the Conan reboot, uh, Chainsaw 3D, Day, Daybreakers, Expendables, the Ginger Snap sequels. So he definitely knows genre. The producers are Snoot Entertainment. They work a lot with uh, Barrett and Wingard, that's Jess Calder and Keith Calder. Um, but they also have their own snoot entertainment. So, you know, one of their first films was all the boys love Mandy Lane. If any of you saw that, mm-hmm. saw that, and then their production company helped to release, um, Anna If you ever saw that or An- Anomalisa, I think is how you say it. Yep. Um, Boon Rock, which is fabulous. If no one's ever seen that, it's this weird fusion of like martial arts and like, uh, kabuki oh, sort of like theater. Yes. Uh, I remember I, Josh Hartnett is in that. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, and then I think Kevin McKidd is in it too. Yes. Um, yeah. It's eclectic class. Uh, they were behind, they're behind um, stars is blind spotting t- television series. Um, so really great producers. The DP is Robbie Baumgartner who also shot the guest um, and you, uh, I'm sorry. They shot the, he shot the guest with them was the DP for blind spotting as well as Midway. Um, Baumgartner has a lot of like camera operating credits and second unit from Hunger Games, ID2 Resurgence, um, Fair Game, Argo. Like he also, like Adam, has worked up through the system. Um, the editor is Lewis Chaffee, who edited a whopping 30 episodes on Dexter, mainly worked in television, but he's also worked with Wingard, starting with the Outcast pilot and then almost all of his other movies after that. Um, and the production designer is Tom Hammock. He's he's the production designer on most of Adam's films. 
Um, but he was also, his first production design was All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Um, and then he actually directed a film called The Last Survivors in 2014. I don't know if anybody saw that. Boo Boo Stewart is in it. Um, Haley Lou mm-hmm. Richardson is in it. It's actually not bad, um, but he did take a stab at directing. So, holy cow. And the music is by Adam himself as well. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Wingard has put out a couple albums of which I own. Um, he has his own album called Past Life Regression, which is sort of like tonal, atmospheric, like EDM type music. And then, of course, he did the music for this, uh, inspired by the music by Tony Cora for the original. So it's very like soundscapey, very atmospheric kind of stuff. So, is what there- was that Josh Hartnett movie called? Boon Rock, B U N R A K U. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That sounded yeah. real interesting. So I wanted to cue that up. So is, okay. is there, it is actually it's it's good. It's uh, a unique film. Is there an Adam Wingard fan club? No. Yes, but, you should start one. But, you really but should start indeed, one. I am the president. <laughs> no, no, no. I 100% believe it. But I I really think you should start one. So that's well, so so just one other thing, and then we'll move on. But one of the reasons why I do like him is because, you know, and he says, he says this a he lot. He showed his dick. <laughs> no, no, he didn't show his dick. He showed his, oh. he showed his caboose. The caboose oh, is okay. nice. Yeah, come okay. on, I didn't get to see dick. That's okay. Simon class, Barrett has shown his dick in the beginning of VHS two, by the way, uh, yeah, <laughs> which that was that. a super surprise. Yep. Um, but what I like about Adam is that he, you know, when you listen to his commentaries, he's not afraid to experiment with, filming something a certain way. And a lot of times in the early films, it was dictated because of budget. So Mm -hmm. A Horrible Way to Die looks, it looks really fabulous the way it's shot. But the reason why they did is because they didn't have a lot of money. And if you just move the camera three feet to the left, you would have seen like wrong scenery and like whatever. So they, it was, there was a purposeful design behind it. And a lot of times in his early movies, there was a lot of improv. So, you know, they work from a script, but they were getting the actors to improv. And it takes a certain director to do that. Um, But he's never had the success where he does one indie movie and then he gets the big budget film. Right. So I think we we all saw that, you know, I guess the warning story is Josh Trank. Right. He got Chronicle and then he gets Fantastic Four. And then apparently it's a huge disaster. And he, quote unquote, didn't realize or didn't know what he was doing directing a big budget. He's never had that. Adam Wingard's never had that, but each film has been successively bigger in terms of its budget, bigger in terms of, well, now I can choose set design. I can choose costume design. I have more say in, in what I can do. And it's just sort of a shame that Blair Witch didn't pan out. Death Note didn't really pan out. And there's some 50, 50 as to whether or not Godzilla versus Kong is actually a great movie. I think it's great. Um, but there's a lot of hate for that too, but uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of really rooting for him and I, I want him to get bigger projects so that we can see what he can do because he's clearly very talented. I, I agree. Yeah. If you look at the upcoming projects, I mean, you talk about face off, I think he's attached to event horizon remake too. So um, possibly, possibly. And then uh, Simon Barrett is mounting a U.S. remake of I saw the devil mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever seen that movie, it is Fan, it yeah. is quite something. We talked it's, about that. Talk we about a to... crazy horror movie that, yeah. that punches you in the gut. It's good. As amazing. Uh, the only concern I would have about an Oslo the Devil remake is that it wouldn't be quite as quirky 
as I saw the devil is. I, I agree. I, yeah. I mean, I'm curious. I'm curious yeah. how they port it over, but it. it, it goes, I mean, I'll see it. Yeah. You know. It depends on who's in it, I guess. Yeah. That's true. If it's Tom Hanks with a white mustache and white hair, I'm not going to be down for that. Ooh, I don't know. That's I, Sully. That's Sully. KFC. Yeah. The Colonel. You know, the Colonel Sanders. Hey, uh, Jose, I knew you were going to bring the thunder, but that was just amazing to just hear you talk about all the connections between the directors and the projects and everything else. I mean, you, you really drew um, this through line of, of this work. It's just, it's impressive. Um, Thank you. Oh, there's no way for you to follow that. Well, you're going to have to, Sammy. I shouldn't, for, I shouldn't forget the fact that Simon Barrett, who's a writer, he's a very good writer, yeah. started, he produced and sort of wrote some low-budget horror films, Dead Birds, um, Frankenfish, Red Sands, then worked with Adam. He recently wrote um, a horror film called Temple, which is actually, it's streaming. If you guys should catch it, it's actually really good. And then he wrote and directed Seance, which was not half bad. It was actually really good. So it had a little bit of your next in it, but it was, I like the approach. Yeah. Uh, okay, Sammy, what do you got? <laughs> so this one dude did a voice in a video game. Brandon <laughs> and, uh, and Scott. Yeah. It was days gone though. The game was all right. So. Yeah, that game's all right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, um, I, I don't have a whole lot because, so the interesting thing about this cast is it takes the approach of mostly unknowns. Although, you could argue that some of these folks are somewhat known, uh, at least. I mean, Brandon Scott works a lot. I mean, that guy's almost got 100 credits, and I didn't even know half the stuff he was in. So, But he was the one that, between him and James Allen McCune, who stars in the film, he's James, Heather's uh, brother. Right. I, saw, I remember him from the rock movie Faster, I believe it was. Oh, uh, okay. I don't think I've ever... I. I own it. I haven't seen it, but yeah. Oh, Snitch. Oh, it's so good. Snitch. You have to catch it. Oh, it might have been Snitch. Might have yeah, been Snitch. It's one yeah, of those. Craig. Yeah, both those two are, they're very <laughs> similar to me. Whatever. I can't remember. Either way. Uh, that one had some good moments, though. Uh, the, the Snitch one did. I thought that, you know, it could have been a much better movie. But anyway, uh, I don't really know any of these people in this movie. and that. But that's part of the charm, I think, of horror movies sometimes, is that you get to see up-and-coming people that you don't really know. Um, the Callie Hernandez, the, the Lisa guy. Now I do know her from Alien Covenant, which I actually enjoyed. Um, I might be one of the few people who actually do enjoy Alien Covenant. Um, oh no, I dug it. I dug it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know if, how Troy and Brad felt about it. Uh, they they seemed despondent. So there we go. Nope. <laughs> no bueno. No bueno. No thank you. <laughs> no bueno. Um, uh, but I remember her from that, but not much. And it seems like she must have came up through the Robert Rodriguez kind of thing because I, I was, was going to ask. IMDb. Yeah, because of all of the actors or actresses, I think I've seen the most of her work, but I don't remember her in anything except probably Alien Covenant. Because when I look, I look at like her filmography, I'm like, wow, I've seen I've seen a lot of her films, but I don't remember her at all. Has anyone yeah. seen that Under the Silver Lake? No, yes. I haven't mean it. I've been oh meaning to watch it. I just I haven't seen it. It is a film to be seen to, yeah. for sure. I love it. I love I, it. I, love I just it. thought I it was so quirky and wonderful. Bizarre. Yes. It's, yeah. Uh, same director as if uh, it follows, right? David it's Robert Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've been meaning to see it, but it's just one of those ones that keeps eluding me. Like, uh, what should we call it? Live, die, repeat, whatever. Yeah. Um, Age, of Age of tomorrow. You still, you haven't, still seen haven't seen it? it? I still haven't watched it. Seriously, dude, come on. 
Hey, man, Promising Actually, Young Woman looked, looked promising. That's true. I, I did enjoy that film. That was good. It's no edge yeah. of tomorrow. But. Actually, for for me, I think the for me the most recognizable actress actor or actress when I saw it was James Allen McCune. I remembered him um, from something before that, but also Valerie Curry, who I remember she played a real See You Next Tuesday on the following. Did you ever watch that show, The Following on Fox? Nope. It was a Kevin Williamson show about. Yeah the cult people that were in love with the serial killer and they were like going around. Yeah. Um, but I remember her from being on that show and I absolutely hated her character. <laughs> <laughs> I remember trying to watch that show. I don't know why I tuned out of that show. There was something about it. Like, I don't know. There was the first season was really good. Second season was poo poo. Um, <laughs> but it was Kevin Bacon's like television show basically. Mm, oh yes. Okay. I, I, I remember, remember the now. show. I just, yeah. it, there was nothing yeah. about it that made me want to watch it. So, oh. We should mention, though, in these credits, Wes Robinson, who plays Lane, the douchebag. Yeah, that's a Pike. That's Pikeville, Kentucky's own Wes Robinson. Oh, really? A little Kentucky action in there, you know. And now the stars and bars really make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so he yeah, wasn't yeah. acting. <laughs> yeah, he might not have been acting uh, too much in there, but uh, yeah. Let he, me tell you how like the election was stolen. That's that's a conversation <laughs> you'd have with that. That's guy. all I heard when I saw him. He was pretty good. He was pretty good, though, as this kind of douchey character. I mean, I, I, I liked I liked little elements that him and the Talia character kind of brought to the film. I mean, we'll talk about it as we talk about the movie a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of like what they did with those two characters personally. But, yeah, man, I don't really have a lot for the in front of the camera stuff because I don't really know these people. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I mean, um, I don't really have a lot. I don't have nothing. So I, is it fair to say that the weight or the pedigree really is behind the camera on this one? So to your point, Sammy, it's they're trying to cast some unknowns or at least lesser known actors, actresses that for a major film, nobody's be recognized. But but really, it's the writer, yeah. director, everybody behind the scenes that. Well, I mean, it's the age old Hollywood trick. I mean, horror movies make money off of the concept. Right. And the you know, the trick with horror movies are, you know, horror movies finance Hollywood just like porn finances a lot of things it's the it's the dirty it's the dirty it's the redheaded stepchild nobody wants to talk about right yeah horror right. films make a lot of money because they don't cost a lot of money because you can just shoot them for five million bucks and most of the time you can get your return on i mean horror movies make a they make a general good amount of money and uh you don't have to have a star you can have up-and-comers you can have a star um it seems like whenever an actor nowadays wins an oscar it seems like about two years later they do a horror movie that's a weird thing that's kind of happened. It's like they get permission to go do it, right? Yeah. They, they got the like drama out of the way. Actually, so. Yeah. But usually what it is is that the studio that's making that horror movie is like, look, I got $20 million. I'll give you 15 of it. Yeah. <laughs> if you come be in my movie. And, you know, none of us would turn down $15 million to be in a movie about, I don't know, a ghost phone or something. Right. right? Sign me up. A ghost uh, flashlight. There we go. Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I got it right. Adam Wingard Wingard could pay me $15 to be in one of his movies. I'll do it. You'll never survive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The dead flashlight. So before. We should say, say too, that Wingard is a Southern boy, too. He's from Tennessee. So, yeah. Well, he was born in Tennessee, but he's from um, primarily Calera, Calls, Birmingham, Alabama, his why do I know this? Because, because you're stalking him. You're stalking him. First, we had the Pulp Fiction stuff. Now, I have Adam Wingard. This is uh, if you're born in the South, you're always a Southerner. Okay. 
<laughs> so uh, before we talk about uh, thoughts, I, I thought this was pretty interesting when you talk about development. So I guess the way the story goes is while they were promote, promoting VHS 2, uh, Adam and Simon ran into Eduardo Sanchez and Greg Hale and asked them about um, additional you know, Blair Witch content, et cetera. And then mm-hmm. I guess that sparked uh, Lionsgate coming to both um, uh, Adam and Simon and, and saying, hey, we, we are thinking about doing a sequel. So that's how they get involved. But the other really fascinating part to it was it, this was all done in, in, in secrecy. So prior to the film's premiere at the 2016 San Diego Comic-Con, I guess the fact that they were filming a Blair Witch sequel was was strictly guarded, and the film was shot under the title The Woods. So I think the studio went so far as to creating like marketing material for The Woods and a trailer and everything else, and then they go to Comic-Con and boom – um, even when you walked into Comic-Con, they had all this stuff for the woods, but then they debut it and it was, I guess, a publicity stunt to, to a certain degree of, Hey, all of a sudden we got a new Blair witch film and nobody knew about it. And then they kind of right. have to right. go back and change all the marketing and the posters and everything else. And now you've got, um, you know, 2016's Blair witch. So, uh, I, I find it fascinating that Hollywood could keep a secret that long. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, Wingard, Wingard says that they couldn't even say Blair Witch. Like they literally trained themselves after like a few years not to even mention it. Um, Now, if you ask me, uh, one of the things I love about Adam Wingard is that he does take risks and sometimes it doesn't pan out, right? Mm -hmm. Sammy thinks Godzilla vs. Kong didn't pan out. (laughs) Um, Some of the, you know, some of the story beats in, in Death Note, obviously some people did not like either. But I think, I think it did them a disservice not to drum up a publicity for a Blair Witch sequel in advance. And the only reason why I say that is because I think the box office could have been so much bigger. But the reason why I say it is because, you know, people use the term IP. I don't need, I even hate saying IP, but I read it all the time in like, you know, deadline variety or whatever. But this IP is so old. Right. Right. And I know we're dating. We're all dating ourselves by saying, oh, we saw the Blair Witch Project when we were like 16. Even Adam Wingard says I was a teen and I went to see Blair Witch Project and it inspired me to be a filmmaker. Okay, but nobody knows the Blair Witch. Nobody. You know, it's not on anybody's mind. And I think that they did themselves a huge disservice by waiting until the last second um, to then reveal it. And then promote it because there was a very short amount of time between Comic-Con and its release. And that's not enough time to talk about an IP that's from that's practically 20 years. Right. 1999, Mm -hmm. 2016, whatever. I, I can't do the math, but it's like at least a decade. Right. So I think they shot themselves in the foot by doing it. It so it totally sounds absolutely cool that they wanted to keep it secret. Who? Yeah. A sequel to the original. blip. That's great. Nobody remembered it. I think that if they had drummed up this enthusiasm for it's going to be a sequel, it's going to be great, it's everything that you expected from the first one, and we're going to expand the mythology, that would have gotten people in seats. Not this whole like, ooh, because even when I saw the trailer for The Woods, I was like, that looks like the Blair Witch Project. Huh? You know? Yeah, and I think you, you even saw like the little the little figures, and I'm like, wait a minute. 
Yeah, it, it, Blair Witch. it's definitely yeah. a different approach to what they did because the first Blair Witch was I, there was such a campaign behind it. So, you know, to our stories before, go on the website, read this, watch this uh, documentary on the sci fi channel because it's talking about, you know, the whole history that this film's coming out. So there, were, there was a huge marketing push in comic books and everything else. And this one just under the radar and boom, here you go. So, yeah, it, I mean, there's good stunts and there's bad stunts. Yeah. And, you know, the first Blair Witch pulled off all the right stunts, early internet. Uh, you guys were talking about that. I mean, I, I my first internet process was a web TV because I couldn't even afford a computer. Because uh, I was living, you know, <laughs> wow. I was living hand to mouth and playing music back in the day, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, but I remember people talking about this, this rea- real film or whatever. There's a documentary you got to watch on the Sci-Fi channel and it's, about this real film that people have found. I mean, they really sold it. They really, mm-hmm. even for somebody who's an educated film fan like I am, I'm sitting there with the first film and I'm buying into the stunt. This stunt may have backfired. It just may have backfired on them a little bit. I don't know if people like to be lied to. <laughs> yeah. No, and sometimes you overthink things. Sometimes yeah. thinking this idea is going to be really cool. Hey, where it's going to be secret. Like Jose was saying, um, a month and a half is not enough time to market a film. Um, Sammy, I don't know if you'll get this reference, but do you remember the Sega Saturn? Yeah. Okay. So the Sega Saturn, um, was pretty much revealed, um, at E3 in 1996, I believe. And they literally said like, and you can buy it now. And people were like, what? Like you're releasing a console (laughs) and you could buy it now. And there's no marketing. And literally like three years later, like it was done. Um, so sometimes that, Marketing, like I think a lot of times people spend way too much money on marketing and advertising, but it it is a smart investment. Um, and uh, it kind of goes to show with this one that I think the quality of this one is a, a lot better, but it made the same amount of money literally as Book of Shadows. And that says a whole lot. Yeah. Well, let, let's get into our thoughts on the film. So out of the four of us, three of us have seen this, but for one of us, it's a first time watch and it's first time watch for you. Right, Sammy? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to start with you specifically. Um, We've spent a good, uh, a lot of time kind of talking about found footage, Blair Witch, uh, the the behind the camera, in front of the camera. I I think it makes total sense when this got released. There was not a lot of, um, I I don't know. It it just it makes total sense that this probably didn't garner the money that everybody was expecting. So it it made money, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't the Blair Witch project money. And critically, I totally understand why this bombed when it came out. I mean, so, some of those numbers kind of make sense to me. But as a first-time viewer coming to it where the dust is settled, you didn't see it in the theater, you, you, you're you seeing it now after everybody's talked about it. I'm I'm curious to start the conversation with you on, on your thoughts of the film. All right. Um, so I settled in to throw this puppy on. Uh, and... Uh, I got to say, I ended up liking this movie more than I thought it would. <laughs> okay. uh, I, I, I thought it would be, uh, I mean, I, I didn't think it was going to be terrible because I, for the most part, I like Wingard stuff. Uh, I don't love everything he does. I love your next. I like the guest a lot. You know, I razz about the, I mean, nothing, there's nothing he did wrong with Godzilla versus Kong. I think this Godzilla versus Kong, just a big old cartoon. And I don't think I was in the mood for it. Um, but it's, I mean, it's not great, but it's not awful either, but I always refer to Randy's grandson's review. So 
You had to have been there. I'm not going to repeat it. You had to have been there. Okay. It took us all. It took us all. Took the breath out of all of our sails. The wind out of all of our sails. <laughs> Everybody just shut down because we realized this film critic stuff. A six year old can do it. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, true. This is true. <laughs> I mean, he just dropped a bomb on us. But um, I, I did enjoy the way this one was shot. So I found it interesting the approach they take with the cameras and stuff. And then they put the cameras on the body itself. Now, at first I didn't catch, I didn't catch on to that for whatever reason. I thought that was just a microphone. And at first I'm like, Wingard is cheating left and right. He is doing <laughs> everything wrong here. He has completely forgotten what found footage is all about. This thing is a total turd. Um, and then I realized, Oh, wait a minute. The cameras are actually in that earpiece thing. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Now, now it makes sense. <laughs> At least it makes sense now to my to my poor brain, but I thought that the interaction between the characters was okay. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but I, I enjoyed for the most part that stuff. I liked the body horror elements to the story. That was a pleasant surprise. Uh, there's something about wood and twigs under skin. Oh, maybe it's the we can all relate to having a splinter. There's oh. something something about though. That moment when she pulls her sock down and you see, like, I think it's like a twig or something or like a root or something. Yeah. Uh, very Cronenbergy, very bothersome. It's very uh, Evil Dead. Me, it's, it, it, was, yeah. it felt like an Evil Dead callback. Yeah. Definitely gave me the chills. I like the forest photography in this thing as well. I mean, overall, I thought the movie was entertaining, but I will say this this movie is 20 minutes too heavy, easily. And there were moments when I was nodding out a little bit. There were moments when I was just like, come on, man, let's just move it forward a little bit. And the finale, unlike the finale of that film I told you about, Troy, or I told everybody about, um, it builds and then it dies. And then it builds again and then it dies. And I don't know what he's going for with these ebbs and flows in the finale, but I think it hurts the movie because I think he's got a good finale, but he turns it into a kind of a Rob Zombie madhouse of horrors in a way. And, and that's look, never good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I'll, I'll defend Rob Zombie till the day I die. I don't think he's a genius, but I do think he's interesting. But <laughs> at some point, did and Brad, you got to, I mean, be us being big-time gamers, uh, I mean, the end of this movie, it, it feels so much like a video game. It, it's unbelievable to me. You know, yeah. I mean, it feels like Condemned or... yeah. Outlast or something, you know? I mean, if you've played any of those games, it totally feels like that. It does, yeah. And, oh, yeah, well, Troy's played a few games. Yep. Uh, I know Jose don't play games much. But still, I mean, I don't. there's nothing wrong with that because video games have influenced our culture now, and, and they're there, whether we like it or not. But uh, I just feel like he gets lost in the kind of... He knows he's got some good ideas, and he just kind of gets lost in them. Although I have to tell you, I have grown, I have come to realize I am claustrophobic as a person. I used to always say I wasn't, but she's in that tunnel thing. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I, can I, was bear, having, I, I was, I was having problems. Did you, I, I was hyperventilating while I'm watching. I was, <laughs> I, was what, I was doing this with the shirt, you know, yeah. I was like, Oh, we need to get out of the scene quick. Yeah. She gets stuck. And I'm like, Oh, that's my biggest fear. Yep. My biggest fear is I'm going to try to go. This is going to sound dirty. I'm going to try to go in the hole, but it's too tight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're right. It's not as Brad. We've shut all up. been there. We've all been there, gentlemen. We've all been there. Yep. Don't, uh, don't even say it, Brad. Just let him keep talking. 
I'm, I'm We've all been there. Reviewing KY. My, my talking points. Yep. KY. Yeah, that's what that's what the boys from KY are for. But uh, we uh, th- that moment really bothered me. But there's there's good moments throughout. I just I don't know. It, it's like a lot of Wingard's films for me. He has a lot of good ideas, and I think he's a very talented guy. But for whatever reason, most of the time he just can't nail it all the way through for me. Uh, you're next. He does the guest. He does for the most part. Uh, uh, the one Jose talked about at the beginning. I'm drawing a blank. Excuse me. I'm 48. Uh, Horrible way to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I do like. I like that one quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of his films always feel like, oh, this is really cool, and this is not really cool, and then this is cool, and they're just kind of uneven. Like Robert Rodriguez films or something. You know, I like Robert Rodriguez films too, but I don't love them because they're uneven sometimes. Okay. This is my first initial thoughts. Uh, you know, I, th- I think some of the interaction is a little over the top, but a little screamy, a little found footage screamy. You know, the found footage acting that, hey, man, you don't know what you're talking about. I do too. You know, all that kind of stuff. It's you know, it, it's part of the genre, right? You got to have you got to have those elements, I think. You got to for- have that conflict. Yeah. yeah you got to have that conflict. But it's okay because it doesn't they don't hover around it for a long time. Right. But well, that's my initial thoughts. Well, Jose, I'm curious. So that you lobbied for this one, and and you've watched the the film and listened to the audio commentary like four or five times, revisiting it again for the purpose of talking about it, you know, on on the podcast. What what are your initial thoughts on this thing? So when I first saw it in the movie theaters, I came out and I really enjoyed it. And the the like three people that I saw it with came out absolutely hating it. Um, they were just like, it was dumb. It didn't explain anything. Um, it felt like it ended three times as, as Sammy says. Um, uh, but my, my initial sense of it and then watching it over and over again, um, they really did try to expand sort of not just the mythology, but just the mystique behind the Blair Witch. Right. And, you know, Wingard and Barrett always say that, like, they craft their movies to have, like, repeat watchability, whereas, you know, you can watch their movies over again. You might catch something new the the next time you watch it that you hadn't seen before, but they're always entertaining. Um, and with this particular movie, what I enjoyed, and they, they've already come out and said that they're never going to explain it because there's not obviously going to be another movie. It was, it was a bomb. Um But to me, what it seemed like was, you know, Blair or Burkittsville maybe is a U.S. Bermuda Triangle, right? Um, That I think what you were seeing was that the woods itself and whatever supernatural force is there, it bends space and time, right? And so I think they're playing with interdimensions, right? Which is why you can hear... Um, Heather screaming in the house. Um, It's why they see the tree that's been split by lightning. And then suddenly they circle back to that tree and the house is right next to it, right? Because something's happening in that forest that's bending space and time that's making them walk around in circles, right? Just like they did in the first movie. But they also introduce other sort of characters right so in the in the first movie they talked about rustin parr and they talked about um 
the coffin rock and how all the men showed up and they were all tied together in this like horrible like thing. And then the bodies disappeared. And then there was a woman who went missing, right? Well, they introduce Ellie Kedward saying that, you know, she was over by the river, which is near coffin rock. And then something pulled her into the water and she was never heard from. And then they talk about, um, I think there was another woman, uh, they introduce another, another character as well. And I think what was happening was you were also seeing doppelgangers because of the bending of space and time. So when Lane shows up, you know, in the, in the woods, he says to them, when was the last time you saw us? The sun hasn't come up. That's not them. It's a trick. Right. And I think that there are these supernatural forces that maybe require sacrifice to keep living or to keep the dimensional time loop spinning, which is what those lights were in the attic. Um, And the way that they do this is they make people go crazy. And, you know, so Lane has a different experience in this time loop. Um, He's seeing doppelgangers. He is saying, well, I gotta be like Rustin Parr. I gotta kill people. That's how they get the sacrifice. The girl with the root, she has a completely different experience. It's almost like the woods are infecting her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when she was in the tree trying to get the um, the, the drone. drone, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a hand that actually reached from the top of the tree to grab her. And then she falls down. And so it's, I don't know, is that another doppelganger? Is that another, like, force that's trying to, like, kill people? So, uh, or, or to, to get sacrifices to keep powering this sort of interdimensional like time loop um, and keep living. So I feel like they're living off of like the life forces. Um, But again, it's kind of like a Bermuda triangle that is set to your own experience. So, you know, he goes there looking for his sister. So he's the one who finds the house. He's the one who runs in there trying to find the sister. Um, When she goes in there, I mean, clearly she is maybe in love with James. And so her whole bent is trying to save him. And she ends up finding him, right? Um, but again, it's 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 her experience. Like she's trying to save him, and they're trying to like get out of this time loop. But then they can't resist the whole like Medusa thing of like turning around to look because the the supernatural forces are like tricking them. You know, um, I, I don't know if they played this very well, but you know how the tree sort of fell on that one guy. I think when she's having her like freak out, which is also like a nice nod to when Heather is, you know, her face is up to the camera and she's crying and she has like her anxiety or panic attack. I think what's happening is the trees are all falling around them. They don't capture it very well, but that's, that's also the curse of found footage is it's gotta be that small camera. You can't get a wide, whatever. In fact, Wingard complains that when they try to film the the tree falling on him, it looks like basically a guy in a Christmas suit is attacking him, right? <laughs> but that's literally the angle that they're yeah. looking at because Wingard was like, we had a big fucking tree and it was on like wires and it looked amazing. But then when you looked at the footage, it looked like a Christmas tree attacking him, right? Um, but I think that the woods or the supernatural force was directing them in a certain way. Um also in the commentary, there was a deleted scene where, you know, Peter goes off to find the 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 wood, uh, I'm sorry, to get the firewood, the Kindlewood, and he finds a rusted bracelet, right? And then later in the movie, it's a bracelet that Lisa is wearing 
um, Callie Hernandez that she drops while she's running around screaming through the woods or whatever. Um, and that again, reinforces this whole like weird time loop. The fact that they can't get out why they were trapped. Um, so, I mean, this is literally just me like, you know, cause they're not going to tell us what it is, but this is what I'm seeing from everything that I'm, that I'm getting. And it's probably just from the repeat viewings, but I, I really loved what they were doing. And I, I, just really wish there would be like another one just to answer everything because so it was one of those films that each time you go back and visit it. So I, I mean, it's fascinating how you're coming up with uh, sort of pulling the thread on little scenes and saying, well, I think this is what this means, or this is that story point. But so each time you visit it, cause obviously you've seen it multiple times, do you get something new out of it like that? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, just watching it again, this, this, this one time after um, having seen the original and then going back and watching it, um, the inside of the house, I mean, it was made to be almost like that other house, which doesn't exist anymore. But as you're watching it, what's happening is that it's so disorienting, but it, the house seems to be expanding as they're going into it. It's almost like hallways are extending. The house only looks like it's two stories, but it, there's like three floors that they're jumping up and down through. Um, and so, and then there was that old woman in like the weird sweater that like hops out. And is that Ellie Kedward? Is that, you know, the other woman that they had mentioned? Like maybe there isn't just one Blair Witch. There's a bunch of supernatural forces, you know, that are making all these things happen that are making the kids disappear. And people are just attributing it to a Blair, the, uh, the Blair Witch. But my suspicion is that these weird creatures that you're seeing, it's not the Blair Witch, which I think a lot of, people were angry at, they were like, how dare you show the Blair Witch or whatever. It's like kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. But I think they're weird yeah. interdimensional beings that are like feeding off of like our life force. Okay. Yeah, they they, um, they showed a little bit of the Blair Witch in, in Book of Shadows as well, right? Yeah, I think yeah. People, yeah. people were upset about that as, in that one as well. Okay. Yeah. Or what we perceived as the Blair Witch. Right. People did not want to see it because they wanted to stay true to, to the yeah well the original is all sight sounds in your imagination right or I should say sounds in your imagination not the sight part okay Brad I mean they wanted oh, they wanted to be a little bit more visceral I mean Wingard often says you know we made Blair Witch the ride which I mean it, it is kind of like that you know it is uh, yeah but okay I love it. so I know how much you love the original Brad I'm I'm curious on your take on this one because you and I especially during the week we'll exchange some we've been we've we've been radio silent all week on this yeah. topic yeah. And we've we've I, avoided I love, it I, I love Jose's take on on this film um it's very fascinating um but this movie sucks this movie sucks hard no. <laughs> it sucks real bad I so the thing oh my is, god I, I just imagine you two in court in front of a judge and Brad getting up I, I, your I know your honor. Your honor. My, distinguished colleague, my distinguished colleague made a lot of good points, but uh, did you order the code red? <laughs> uh, you can't handle the truth. It sucks. I knew. And Brad, I knew you were going to say that too, which is funny, but proceed. <laughs> okay. So the thing about the first, the, the Blair Witch project is they build tension so well. And your idea of what's going to happen is always worse than what really happens to the people. Yes, the tent gets, you know, jostled around a little bit. There's some rock noises. There's some kid sounds, blah, blah, blah. But it's always separated by this 
we're in the daytime now and we feel relatively safe, but we know some point in time it's going to get dark and we're going to have to sleep through the night. And that sort of changing of time lets you breathe for a few minutes and then you start to automatically dread the nighttime and what's going to happen at night. Um, it's kind of what uh, paranormal activity does. Um, you know, it you go through the night and something small will happen and then you're, you're in the daytime, you feel relatively safe and then bedtime. And so like that change of time just helps build that tension and build the tension here. We have a bunch of annoying ass kids just yelling at the, in the woods <laughs> and you're like, okay, like, yes, I understand like what they are going for with time loops. And I, I get all that. Like Jose articulated that very well and it makes sense. And yes, I, I think you can arguably say, that's a cool premise and I'm okay with them not spelling that out completely, but the hour and 25 minutes that we have to watch this movie, there is not a single moment of tension in this entire film that makes me feel any sort of connection to the first one. Um, and, and like, it's always super dark and I know the, the original was pretty dark as well, but I don't know. Was it this dark where it was like, I can't see anything. Uh, these characters are super annoying. Like these characters are the worst. And if I had a friend who was African-American and we went into someone's house and there was a Confederate flag on the thing and the guy says, I want to stay with you guys while you go on this trip. I would say, nah, bro, you're, you ain't doing this. Like, no, 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 no. I, I don't know what you're going to do with my friend back here. I don't want to see him killed. I don't want to see you and your QAnon people coming after him. Like stay the hell away. All right. You and your January 6th friends need to stay the hell away from my friend. Um, so you're just a ba- like, you're a bad friend. If you let that happen and you let that guy come on your trip, like that's just, it's just bad. But like, so none of the decisions they make are any good. I just, these people are so annoying. And, it, and again, like, Nothing. Okay. The Blair Witch Project, like really nothing happens. I understand. Like, but in this one, it's like nothing happens, but it's not, there's no tension. There's none of that tension. Like I never felt tense except when the girl is crawling in that hole. Cause I am claustrophobic really bad. And I have to look away. I had to look away for a little bit and it feels like it goes on forever. And yeah. I'm starting to sweat and my heart is racing, but <laughs> it's like, I, it's like somebody's going to drop Pulp Fiction on your trivia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but you know, or like Kill Bill, like I'm going to get buried alive um, in a coffin and Ooh. have to one inch punch my way out. But um, I hated this in the in in the theater um, when I saw it. In um, when my wife and I were talking about what we were doing, I had to be like, "Remember when we saw Blair Witch in the theater?" It's <laughs> like, "Oh yeah, that was like our last film together before we had kids." And I was like. Doesn't that make you a little sad? And she's like, yeah, kind of. And I just, I was, I wasn't I saying a, I was, I wasn't dreading seeing this again because I always go into what I'm going to watch and like, okay, like that was a long time ago. Yeah, you know, I'm going to probably change. Right? Yeah, my perspective has changed. No, I hated it more this time. Like it made me. <laughs> I mean, angry. Your, that's a change, though. Yeah, it I changed for you. Yeah, just angry. That yeah. how bad this was. I had forgotten how bad this was. And the house is a cool premise, but again, 
there's just nothing. I don't know. There's just nothing for there was just nothing for me here. Nothing. Mm. Nothing. Huh. Nothing. Okay, that's a hot take. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for the record, my wife and us for last film before children was uh, where the wild things are. That was our last. Oh. 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 We went out on a we went out on a good note as a. Uh, you did. Yeah, that's a great movie. American, yeah, yeah, as a married couple. Thinking for the record, the last movie tab that I saw was I don't fucking remember because it's been forever. I hope it was Grease 2. I guarantee it wasn't Grease 2. So uh, Angel's 19 like, and I don't like 19 years ago. But I can tell yeah, you where was I, eight, 19 years ago. Yeah, I, I can tell you where I saw Die Hard. Um, yeah, I, I 100% while I'm watching this, uh, I watched it with Tabitha. And Jose, you'll you'll love it. I mean, she was jumping uh, quite a bit through the mm-hmm. whole thing. So, but I'm uh, watching. This movie is this movie is jump scare heavy. Oh I mean, yeah, almost yep. almost to a fault. Yeah. So uh, they love the jump scare. They admit to loving the jump scare. They, they so they yeah. do love that. Um, and and I'm watching this thing, and the fact that uh, Brad and I talk all day, like I don't even know how we 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 get work done, and the fact that neither of us brought this film up, I'm like, Ooh, this is, this is going to be interesting. So, um, it, I watched it and, and two questions came to mind and, and, and I have these questions for you guys. So I'm, I'm going to be more Socratic in my response by asking you questions. Yeah. Okay. So what I always like about you, Troy is, is your film review. I love it that you start your film reviews by asking us questions. And yes. for, the, for the listeners that don't know what is Socratic mean? Socratic method is um, rather than delivering an answer, sort of um, getting giving your answer by asking a question. Okay. Okay. Just so the drawing the answer out. Yeah, just it's, for people who don't know what that means. Yeah, you know, it's a Socratic yeah. method. Not that I was asking it's for a, myself or anything. It's a pretty solid management tactic. It, yeah, it is. Okay. And since I've got my uh, work clothes on still. Um, <laughs> So here, here's the first thing that popped into mind after this was over, and and Brad kind of alluded this uh, to this. Um, actually, uh, he didn't allude to it; he came out and said it. Right. So, how yeah. important My is it? Please. Yeah. How important is it to like the people you are following in a found footage film? And if you don't connect with them, and maybe it's not like, but if you don't connect with them, does it create a viewing problem since you are experiencing this story through their point of view? And I'll give you an example of Man Bites Dog. So that whole premise is a film crew is following a serial killer. So mm-hmm. you're not supposed to like the serial killer, but there should be some fascination or connection with them, which is where I think that movie's most visceral punch comes from is when you're done, you're like, that's a charismatic, likable guy who does horrific things. And where that movie goes, you just, you don't expect it. But how important is it in a found footage film to connect with the characters or to, I hate using the word like, but I, maybe connect is the best word for it, but how, I how got important a, is it? I got the perfect answer for this. Sure. We've already talked about this film, Cloverfield. TJ Miller is screaming and yelling his, that whole film, but there's something about his character, not TJ Miller in real life, but for that character that is, is kind of, enduring and you you do like him he seems like a genuinely nice guy in that film he's super annoying behind the camera like he's yelling and screaming and mm-hmm. doing the found footage thing but at the end of the day like i want him to be okay um i care about him and his friends um even though he is annoying i still like him okay and those people 
Uh, Sammy, do you feel the same way? It's it's super important. Like you have to, you have to feel for these people because that camera is putting you there with them. It's such a close proximity that you have, you feel like you're right there with them. And if you don't like the people you're with, then you don't care. Well, not not like, but I I would well, you know tolerate. Yes, I I feel it's a cornerstone of the found footage film. Like there's got to be some connection. I mean, Sammy, Jose, do you, do you agree with that premise? Uh, I yeah, I do. I do agree. I think that I think you do have to have some measure of uh, being able to connect with the characters and what's going on on screen. Um, it is lacking here. It's a, you know, it's an 80, 89 minute, 90 minute movie. Sure. Um, they got to keep it moving. Uh, I think that really the center is James because he's trying to find his sister. Um, so I think he's, he's really more the focus. Um, and then obviously Lisa or the Callie Hernandez character um, is sort of along for that ride as well. Um, and then I think, I mean, they even set it up in the, in, in the beginning, the others don't really want to be there. They just, they're just kind of tagging along because the two of them have their purpose. She has the documentary. He is trying to find his, hopefully find an answer to his sister, what happened to his sister. Um, so I don't know that they built it in that you're supposed to like, really like the other two. And then obviously the, the shady chicanery sort of people who plant you know, the, the, the stuff just because they want to boost their own like fan website right. or whatever. Um, they're obviously not very likable either. Um, which, which is okay. As long as they're interesting, right. You'd agree with that. Well, yeah. And, and for yeah. context, the, the Blair Witch Project was 81 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was really short. And, you know, th- this movie does follow the same format in some ways. It does. Right going out there to, to do something, building up the documentary, finding some conflict between them, getting lost. And then, you know, all these things happening, it follows that. But I, you know, I think it does something different in being more visceral and having more things on, you know, on the screen around you. And I think that that makes up for the, the lack of characterization. Okay. Well, what about you, Sammy? I mean, what, no. is it important to you in this genre or to find that connection uh, or no. interest? No, no. I think for me going into this genre, it's always about the footage itself. It's about what happens to these people. And I never really, I never care about these characters. This goes all the way back to my thoughts on cannibal Holocaust. I never care about any of these characters because it's, it's like cannibal Holocaust in a way, almost all found footage films. It seems like almost all the characters are are just, they're just not likable. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's a choice people make, but I don't, I can't think of very many, even Cloverfield, that's some of the complaints. I mean, I like the characters in that movie, but uh, some of the complaints I remember people lodging against it was they thought the characters were pricks and kind of, so, you know, young people. They were kind of self-indulgent <laughs> and, you know, they were young. They're avocado <laughs> toast and $8 coffees. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those guys. And that was then. Now now it's $14 coffee. Yeah. But the, the thing is, I mean, I think when you go into a found footage film, it's the event and not the characters. I think for me, characters comes from writing. Now, I think what's interesting about this one is this one is written all the way through, right? There's very, from what I understand, they kind of go away from the improvisation quite a bit here. Um, 
Right. Because the original, he does that. The original Blair Witch Project, what they would do is it was we posted scenarios and you read those and act out those scenarios as you film them. So there, yeah. there is more improvisation where this is truly a, a scripted event. But yeah, they would yeah. distance themselves from the actors. Yes. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I dislike everybody in this movie, but I'm okay. I'm one of those weird movie fans who actually enjoy when I don't like anybody in the movie. <laughs> well, and like, so I want to, I want to clarify like my question. Cause I, I did, and it's my fault. Cause I put the word like in there, but I think connection is the point. Like, is there, okay, so, there's gotta be something within these found footage films that I agree with you. It really is about the events that happen, right? That's what you're going but in order for the events to be impactful, there has to be some type of connection or interesting through. Um, so I think there's enough here. I think there's enough here with the idea of a brother looking for a sister. Okay. For me to drive this movie all the way through. I don't think they spend enough time. Name another that. trait about the guy. Name a trait about him. But he's yeah. a, he was a paramedic. Yeah. He's, he's a, a trained paramedic. So he's about saving people. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a sunflower. If the wind blows, he just kind of goes whichever way the wind blows. He just seems... It is true. He is very um, lackadaisical and uh, very, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, he's kind of weak. And I kind of like that. Well, kind of, you know. I think the... I, but I think the other connection, too, is not necessarily the characters, but just like the first movie, it's that fear of being stuck in a place, stuck in the woods, stuck in eternal night, not knowing what's out there, not knowing how to get out. Um, think, and maybe that's the that's the pull in addition to you know what you're seeing for the footage. Well, if you think about found footage too, found footage relies heavily on myth and right. legend. It seems to be the main thing. Um, even if you go back to something like Campbell Holocaust, there's always the legend of getting lost in the jungle. You know, you don't want to do that because you'll end up in a big pot and Elmer Fudd will be cutting carrots into <laughs> your you know and cooking you like he did Bugs Bunny, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you guys remember that. I mean, oh, yeah. Fuff was going to eat yeah, that, right? Yeah. He's going to eat that wabbit. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but what I like about found footage is it really relies more on the myth and the legend than it relies on the characters. And when I go into those films, I tend to enjoy that more than I look for any kind of connection. And I don't, know, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just a weird uh, quirk of mine. But I, it's, I feel actually, about slashers. I never really identify with anybody in slasher film either. Actually, now that you bring it up, I mean, the very nature of found footage, you know, is you're you're watching somebody else's experience. And I think that what that tends to do is it tends to have the viewer project their own sort of feelings onto stuff. So maybe Sammy is right. Maybe it's sort of irrelevant whether you like them or not, because you're seeing their story. You don't really know what their feelings or motivations are. And it's a, it's a, it's a subjective experience to watch found footage. Okay. Right? That's actually, that's a better way to put it. I don't think I'm right, but I do think that horror films like this and slasher films, you know, let's be honest. You watch a slasher film for one thing to watch people get killed. You don't watch it for anything else. You're not looking blood for something. Yeah. You want to see naked people and blood and, you know, the Pepe Le Pew killer who never runs. 
Right. That's what you want to see. That's that's two Looney Tunes references. <laughs> um, yes. So they're right. super. They're super rapey. Is that what they're? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> super rapey thing. Okay. Okay. Super killy. But, but super killy. Think about it. I mean, it is. You you think about when you watch one of these films, you think about what would I do, and you don't really think about what it's that with a slasher. With a slasher, you kind of just let it wash over you. You think sometimes, oh yeah, you idiot. Why do you always? You know the car's not going to start. We all know the tropes and the jokes. But with a found footage film, you do kind of project yourself a lot more. And I think that's why you get such visceral reactions from people sometimes. Because people tend to think, I would never hang out with these people. Or I would totally not do this. Or I'd totally not do that. It's easy to say. But I guarantee you, you've probably done something like that. Well, I, I, I maybe don't, not like Yeah, that. I don't maybe, disagree maybe with any of you. stars and bars, but you yeah. know what I mean. I don't disagree well, with your pers- like your take on this, but I, I think it comes down to this, that a connection to the characters, not likability, but some fascination, some interest, something that draws you into their journey, their perspective. And it may be a perspective that's 180 degrees to yours. And, and maybe that's the draw of it, right? But everything you said about slasher films, it's like, well, yeah, those are the dumb slasher films where they just concentrate on, well, this guy's going to go yeah. around and kill the co-eds. Fine. That's that's that level of slasher film that's not very good. But, you know, Scream, since we talked about that, is a great slasher film because you really like some of the central characters in there. So the the difference between the quality Dude. of the horror film, I, I think, will push one way or another based on your connection. And I think it becomes even more yeah, highlighted. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off, man. I don't want to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. I was just going to say you do, but you do because in Scream, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson are making it a point for you to identify with those characters. Yes. And and I they I, they are soaking you in it. Yeah, yeah. You are you are getting soaked in meta context. And that's a totally different thing. I can't, I mean what do you guys think Think about the original Blair Witch? Was there anything really that interesting about any of those characters other than Heather and the fact that she wanted to hunt down this witch, this legend? I think the difference between this one and the original Blair Witch is I found that the descent, these are generally not necessarily relatable or likable people, but the watching them break as a collective and then break as an individual is interesting. And it's genuine. Like and it's feel, genuine. It, yeah, Heather there's feels way more genuine than any of these characters yeah. in this so, one. I can't. I can't argue that point. I do think the breakdown in the original film is much better. I cannot argue that point. But I do not think those characters are still much more than two dimensional. Well, but it's interesting. Two dimensional. That that's the, my point here. Is that from from a connection likability, whatever you want to label it. I think found footage sort of accentuates that to a certain degree because in this type of genre, having some type of connection to the characters because it's sort of a point of view experience is important to accentuate the spookiness and the scares, which leads me to my next question. What's the most effective way to scare your audience in a found footage film? So I can tell you it isn't a bunch of jump scares. So sound design and atmosphere are super important in this type of film. If you're working with a limited budget and your whole idea is to put the viewer 
into that scenario and make it feel like you're experiencing what they're feeling. Um, just, it, it just compare two scenes that are basically about the same. Like the characters are inside the tent and they're hearing stuff outside of the tent and the original Blair Witch Project. And then this one, I think that original is a hundred times scarier than what they do with the tents in this one. A, cause it goes by real fast, but this one is like, there's moments where you're like, what is going on? And it's all with the sound and it's just executed so much better in well, the original yeah, than I mean, in this one. They're jump scaring you with people just coming into frame. Yes. Yeah. A, a lot. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> and to me that, and I, I think that's the thorough line of where my criticism comes from is basically saying, okay, I wasn't invested in any of the characters. Now I, you may come back and say, I don't need to be because it's just like a slasher film, et cetera. And I'm like, well, okay, well then Blair, which is, you know, like Friday the 13th part, whatever. Um, it's of that quality then. Um, but the search for Jamie's sister was really just a plot point to tie it back to the original film. And I, I felt zero loss on um, Jamie's end. And I actually kind of kept forgetting that he was like Heather's brother. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, I didn't really find any of these characters interesting nor did I care what happened to any of them. And well, I take that back. There is one character that I did care what happened to them. And it was Peter. That guy got on my nerves so much that I was excited when he got picked off and he exited the film. So he's terrible. Um, I think he's a terrible actor. I, I think his character was, was terrible. Like there was nothing about that. So that was the only character I cared about, but I cared about him. Like, will, will you please pick on that guy first? <laughs> Um, yeah. so I can maybe enjoy the film. <laughs> I will bask in your demise. Yeah. Um, but then it, so, okay. I'm not connected it's to weird, the character. It's weird though, because like all I could think about the whole time watching it was he was going after his sister. I, see, I didn't get that. That's I, I, yeah, weird. Yeah. yeah. I, and, I didn't get that either. Yeah. I, I got, I got that, you know, that was what drove them to the forest, but it wasn't the propelling story up until the end when all of a sudden they discovered the house and he's like, Oh, Heather's in there. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's his brother. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot. Um, in that's what got them there and that's what got yeah. him into the house. But everything in between that, I totally forgot that they were related or what the through connection was. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Um, but that's the thing. <laughs> and, and here's why I think the filmmakers knew that they had a crappy script and they didn't have a connection and their characters were dumb is because they started throwing a bunch of jump scares in there because I, I think filmmakers are smart enough to look at the dailies and kind of see what's coming. And they're like, shit, this thing's not scary and it's not atmospheric. And I think we got a turd on our hands. So listen, how about we have this person jump into frame and go, boom, we're such and such. And Hey, it made Tabitha jump like two or three times, but there's no atmosphere. Yeah, it, made to me, it. it made me jump a couple of times. And even I saw it coming. Yeah, but it's just because of the sound, you know, uh, I have a loud sound system. So I was like, Jesus, I can turn this down and <laughs> yeah. wake up the whole house. But, it, but that's the thing. I mean, I, I think I think it's cheap um, and, and I think it's a, and so the jump scares are OK if you are already enveloped in the atmosphere and you're really, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to these characters? Because it's interesting. I want to see where they go. But when the jump scare happens, you go, oh, that's a jump scare. But I know there's tons of times where we've watched movies and there's a jump scare. We don't think about it as a jump scare because we're just in that world, right? But in this film, when the jump scares happen, you go, oh, that's a film technique called a jump scare. You know why you know it's a jump scare? Because you're bored out of your mind watching the first half of this film. And so you're paying attention to the fact that it's a jump scare. 
Um, I will say this though, again, for this type of movie, it comes down to the atmosphere and the sound choices, the footsteps, the weird coyote noises and the walkie. I love that stuff. Like I thought they were really firing on all cylinders in some of the sound effects department and it sounded really good. The thing I don't like is that, um, Adam, if he did the soundtrack to this, if you want to call it a soundtrack, all he did was borrow the low rumble noises from paranormal activity and put it, you know, through the film. And so he's copying and pasting from another successful found footage film. And again, control C control V that's yeah, all I did. Right, yeah. Troy? And, and you know why I know that? Because I wasn't invested into the characters and just like I identified that there was a jump scare, I identified that they used the sound effects from paranormal activity because I'm not invested into anything that's going on. So I didn't even recognize the music <laughs> in the film, but I remember Jose in a text we all had saying that, uh, he had forgotten it was even playing in the background at one point, so I'd forgotten it was even playing. It's just low. It's point. it's that low rumble noise effect to let you know something spooky is yeah. going to happen, and then here comes the jump scare. So yeah. that's that's the first half of the film. Now I will say this: I enjoyed the last half of the film, like the back end, more because there are some great sequences. I I love when they break the totem stick, and all of a sudden the girl's like broken, and that. But again, mm. it was the sound effect that of is that the best scene. That is the best scene in this movie. Agreed. Agreed. I, I think between that and the tunnel are the two best scenes in the film. That comes out of nowhere. That broken totem scene. I mean, I literally put my hand up to my mouth. Yeah. I was like, well, you knew you caught that that was her hair that was yes. on the. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I, yeah. I just didn't expect it to play out like it played out. I was like, oh. I mean, she's like a heap after that, dude. Like it is. But yeah. what's, what's great about it is you don't see her like getting all twisted and stuff. You hear the break and then you hear the sound effect and then the camera pans and then you see the after effect. That, yeah. my friends, is great use of sound in a spooky movie. It's yeah. fantastic. Uh, the, the use of twig snapping or stick snapping or however you want to call it in this movie is great. Every time she, after she cuts her foot on the rock, every yes. time she steps funny, that, that is a repulsive sound. Yeah. The, this, so, there's like certain, oh, and yeah. by the way, thank Sammy. Thank you for realizing it was a root in the, in the commentary. Um, they talk about the fact that like a lot of people misidentify it. They think it's like a worm or something because when she does pull it out, her hand is shaking and it kind of looks like a, a centipede almost, but it is a root it yeah. is a root. Also, there's no CGI in the film. They might have maybe painted out like a tree or a trail or something like that, but all of the effects are practical. I, and I like um, even the even like the witch or whatever the alien was coming down the hallway. I, I like some of the creature effects. I, I mean, they're they're short, but they're good. Um, they give you enough to kind of get your imagination going. Like I said, the back half of the film, it's it's the instance where they break the totem, the tents fly up, and all of a sudden. The film starts to have the right element of sound design and things happening on screen that ratchet up the tension and it's good, but it makes no fucking sense. Like I like, I, I like the last half of the film, but I don't know what the hell's going on. And I felt like I was if they just, cut out, <laughs> yeah, if they cut out 15 minutes of just people looking at trees. Yeah. <laughs> to me, this is a tighter and scarier movie. But the over-reliance on jump scares, which I agree are cheap, they can be very well done. But the, the, the quintessential thing about a jump scare is you don't overdo it. Because once you overdo it, now all your audience is doing is waiting for the next jump scare. Yes. And they prepare themselves for it. And now it's not a jump scare anymore. Now it's just a matter of how loud it's going to be. Or in my case, do I need to turn this down or am I going to wake the kids up? <laughs> yeah. 
now they're talking again, so now I've got to turn it back up. Yeah. yeah. Well, so how did I watch this film? As a parent watches it, I watched it with the subtitles on, and it turned down because every time a jump scare would happen, the whole damn house would boom. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think initially when I saw this in the theater, I, I think one of my biggest gripes was that supernatural sort of twist to this one that I found super jarring. That the first one might have had in the background a little bit. There might have been some super, but here it's like supernatural right up in your face. We're going to do all this different stuff. Um, and I think that was the jarring part for me because the first one just felt like we're in this these woods. We're lost. We don't know what's going on. And yeah, there might be some maybe witch stuff or whatever, but it's not like I, at one point in time, I was like, are there aliens in this movie? Cause like the light shining through, yeah. like is, there's is little there aliens that pop there? out of the tree or something. Yeah. It looks like they're yeah, going to so, like probe I mean, them or I think, whatever. I, I think that's one of the jarring things. It's like, this is, this is going places that, that it just, it's jarring for me for sure. So here, here's the other like subtle jump scare they're trying to do in the beginning to, you know, keep you off balance is they do this faux crappy editing of, well, here's a cut and a loud noise to go to the next frame, et cetera. Or we're going to do, you know, we're going to do this like really jarring dissolve. Look, if you're putting a found footage together of this stuff, you wouldn't put it together like that. Um, that, that is supposed well, to, <laughs> this gets into my argument about all found footage things. Oh, I, I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I often joke around, you know, it's it's like in movies when people watch memory videos, like who edits that shit? Yeah. Who puts all that stuff together to make me cry? You know, <laughs> it's, like the, it's like it's like the end of uh, Philadelphia with Tom Hanks. You know, I'm watching they're watching video of him walking on the beach and I'm sitting there. Poor, I'm crying. I'm like, who put that video? Who put that film together? Sally Minky. She edited. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's I, I, I like the they start to dabble in the time travel interdimensional stuff, but it doesn't make any sense. And at the end of the day, it it means nothing. Um, but like I said, the, the first half of this film, I think, is terrible. Um, the second half of this film, I think has a lot of promise and they start to kind of get things right. Uh, but then the question becomes, it's kind of like when we talked about the Wolfman, how strong is that second half to save you from an experience to kind of go, well, I didn't, I'm, I'm not like Brad. I didn't hate the film. I, I find it kind of like the Wolfman where it's like, well, man, this is, this is a story of like two halves and yeah. which, which half is more powerful in your overall viewing experience. I mean, that's even right now, as we talk, I, I listen to you, Jose talk and I'm like, Ooh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Maybe I like, and then Sammy adds this. And then when Brad's I'm like, Oh yeah, it is dumb. Um, yeah, that, that first hat. Ooh, wow. But you know, and I got excited when they introduced the drone and I'm like, Oh, you're going to get some drone footage. And they do nothing with that outside yeah. of a kind of a cool sequence where you get the camera angle, the drone into the, um, uh, the tree where she's climbing up it and that hand comes down. Right. Like I said, but that's the back half. They they do some effective haunted house, scary things in the back half that are um, not really connected. They're tense, great use of sound, absolutely mean nothing. Um, and it does, it does nothing outside of when the movie's over. You realize how good the first Blair witch project is at handling the atmosphere the characters and everything else and the connection that you develop with those characters within 81 minutes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I also feel like, you know, Blair, Witch, 1999, is that what it, when it came Correct. out? Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Although also, filmed in 97. Filmed yeah. in 97, released. Again, in- we talked about it. It's a pop cultural moment. It's also kind of lightning in a bottle. Uh, it, it is, it's yeah. One of, it's, it's one of those things where they just got it right. And yeah. don't get me wrong. I mean, you could go back to the drawing board a thousand times. I don't know if you could ever get it that right again. And it's why I think it stands so high where it's at. I think Wingard tries, and, and 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 maybe he doesn't succeed, but I think he at least, though bloated, made a pretty entertaining, for me, found footage movie. Yeah, and and look, here, here's the thing: like I I love Jose's passion for it. I like how um, you can come to this and go, hey, it's it's kind of like a B grade slasher film, and I, I would agree with that. I go, it would have that quality of like Halloween four or five or something. It, it's not the classic, you yeah, know, Halloween. That's what, it, that's what it feels like. But it yeah. feels like that Halloween yeah. four or five kind of entry, and that's great. It just it just depends. Like, um, are you ready for that? Do, do you yeah. did it did that viewing of it hit you in such a way that you enjoyed it and you got some scares out of it or uh, again you know i yeah. I, I can told i i would never like say man you're silly for liking this film look at all these flaws in it. i'd be i'd be like hey i like yeah. i like halloween four and five a lot so yeah. don't don't throw shade on me because i'm not going to throw shade on you if you like you know the blair witch right. so me and you like me and you like rob zombies halloween too, yeah so I, I like halloween too I, I rob have, zombie so i have a thought and a question I was wanted to throw to the group. Yeah. If this was called the woods and didn't have any sort of baggage being connected to the Blair Witch Project, would we like it better? I have thought about that actually. I think um, I would. I think I honestly I think I I think the baggage of it being connected to Blair Witch Project, you automatically I'm connecting those dots that I have to compare this film to this film and one is way better than the other. And if it's just called the woods, I don't think I have the same expectation. I I'm with you hundred percent because I felt after watching this way, I felt the exact same way that I watched the Wolfman. So I'm like, Oh, they took the same stuff and I see what they're going for. And I love the original so much. Can my love of that original actually get in the way of my appreciation of this one? And, uh, I, I, I think it does to a certain degree. I'll let Jose talk before I, say anything i thought he i thought he was gonna get ready to say something before i say anything well i i, I was just gonna say like you, you know that that horrible it's not horrible so when they remade point break right if you look at that movie and you, it was not called point break and it did not have you know the same characters it's actually not a bad movie like it's a it's a great cinemax actioner that you know airs at like eleven thirty. Um, with this particular movie, I think if it was still called the woods and it didn't have the Blair witch connection, I don't know. I think I would, I think I would still like it because I remember coming out of the theater and just feeling like the, I kept saying the expansion of the mythology. Right. And I think that is the point of difference for a lot of us here today. Um, you know, I think that the, the, going a field too far with the, are they aliens? Are there UFOs involved? I think that was probably more further than anybody really wanted to go from the expectation of a Blair Witch sequel. So maybe they swung for the fences. Maybe they expanded a little too much. Um, but I think I would still like the movie the same, the same way. I, I think it, for me, it's better that it's a sequel um, to the Blair Witch just because, you know, 
if we're thinking about a modern update and how it would be done today with our technology, it's a great sequel, right? And I, I think Sammy's Sammy's point is is well taken, which is it was lightning in a bottle. You're never going to get that kind of experience. The technology and the filming was certainly very much different from what they're doing here. Um, so yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you'll ever get another Blair Witch Project. I don't know if you'll ever get another one. I'm not. I'll never say never, but yeah, it right. is. Yeah, I mean, it might not happen in our lifetimes. Maybe sure. in Brad's. <laughs> not in ours. <laughs> so true. No, so true. But I'll keep it kind of Southern fried in my kind of thought of the process. If it didn't have the Blair Witch, it wouldn't have that cool uh, body snapping scene there, buddy. And, uh, oh, and that's like, the best part. And that might be the best part. Uh, but really, if you take away that aspect of the movie, I would still probably enjoy it just the same. I, I think it's it's a decent found footage movie. It's it's entertaining. It's overlong. I don't think it. I don't think it warrants the long it the length of the film. I just don't think it does. There's just too many scenes of people kind of just looking at trees. Yeah. No. I mean, I know they I know they did that in the first film, but it was the approach was different. It's just you know, and I I like the way it's put together, but the whole time I did think, yeah, man, who's editing all this footage together to make this really cool movie of this footage we found? Yeah, I just I I don't know. I I think that my biggest takeaway from the experience was. what I, what I love about horror films is you, you get all of the jump scares, the, the sound effects, everything. And you you know, that director is toying with you. Right. But if you are immersed in what's going on, you forget it's all tricks and mirrors and special effects. And you're having a great time being scared. I kind of got there in the second half of it, but there were just too many times where I feel like, Oh, I know what's going on from a cinematic, um, creative process like identifying a jump scare or oh they're doing these jarring edits to kind of keep you it's their way of trying to do a dutch angle you know like hitchcock or you know um orson wells would do or something of that nature so i'm i'm identifying all the tricks of the trade to put me on ease which means i'm not i'm not immersed in in the storytelling that's going on and until the back half i gotta tell you i mean when when things start happening i really started to enjoy the back half a lot and then when you get to that tunnel scene, I was just sweating like crazy and and hyperventilating. And I'm like, yeah, now now I'm in it, right? You know, that tunnel was made to Callie Hernandez's specifications, to her body measurements. Um, and so <laughs> even when she went in, she was a little like, am I going to make it out of this? And it, when you listen to the commentary, apparently a DP went in there to do the filming and had a panic attack and they had to pull him out. Oh, I, yeah. I'd have a panic attack just looking down yeah. that thing, man. Yeah. It's the reason and even why, just about, okay. I'm sorry. It's the reason why I don't rewatch The Descent that much. I love The Descent. <laughs> yeah. I love that film. But I won't watch but That it. scene uh, when she gets stuck. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't even want to think about it. It's giving me chills right now. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. When I watched this scene in the theater, I had Descent PTSD. I was like, it's like, ah, it's rough. Yeah. It's really rough. I mean, because your body can fit in spots you don't think it can fit in. So if, if somebody molds something to your body, uh, you know, it's, uh, it looks really tight. No. Yep. I, and, and I appreciate it. Like I said, I, what I was most excited after watching this film and knowing the four of us were going to talk I, and those two questions popped up in my head in terms of like, well, how, how would I talk about this film? I would start with those two questions because th- those are the questions I'm asking myself. But I love the fact that all of us have a different take on it 
Um, it's not the same. It's, it's not one person going, oh, yeah, yeah, I thought the exact same thing outside of the tunnel. We all agree. That's creepy in the, the breaking, yeah. right? The breaking scene. Yeah. But, I, but I love the fact that, um, and, and this is a compliment for the film, it is good enough to kind of elicit a different response from everybody. I like divisive films that, you know, not everybody's going to like because those are where the best conversations are to be had when it comes to film. Yeah. 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 I always like when I watch these movies, I've talked about this over the years a lot. I don't watch a lot of new releases very quickly. I pretty much only see what my son wants to see. I like that. I let movies sit around for three or four years before I usually check them out. It takes away all the hyperbole. (laughs) No, that's, that's good. I mean, edge of tomorrow. Yeah. You don't feed into the hype. Yeah, it's been sitting there long enough. I, I don't emotionally <laughs> react. I, I, that's what I like about it the most. I don't emotionally react because I wonder if I would have saw this in the theater if I'd have had more of a Brad reaction. I feel like I might have because I'm like, you took a good thing and you kind of twisted it and squeezed some poop out of it. I don't know if I wanted that. <laughs> I, hey, I, I like the squeeze pooping. Eh. <clears throat> I like what they tried to do. I'll, get, I'll give them this. Like, I like the direction, and, and to Jose's point, I, I like this fact they're trying to, to world build, but unfortunately, I just don't think they were really good at it. So, um, I, again, I, I, I think they're swinging for the fences, especially in the second half of it, and I love that kind of approach. It's just, well, you know, for me, did they hit a home run or did they strike out? I don't know. Give me a couple more minutes. I'm still... I still don't know where I've landed on this thing, to be quite honest. But, might, be uh, a, might be a bunt single for you. Yeah, it might, it might be a bunt single. Bunt, um, bunt single down the third baseline. Yeah, something like that. But <laughs> I, You I'm can curious. ask me. I will, I will tell you. Yeah, I, I, I knew. I, oof. Um, but, yeah, I mean. definitely a swing and a miss. Yeah. Yes. Uh, do you guys have any other thoughts or, or, or notes you want to share about kind of the, the film or your viewing experience or anything? I'll just say that, you know, Wingard's still one to watch. I, I still think he's, there's a great film in him. I mean, I think Your Next is great, but I still think he's got more in him. Um, and I hope he continues to get to make movies. Uh, I think he's taken the right path. I think some directors like Colin Trevorrow and these guys, they jump into the mm. big I mean, Colin Trevorrow is one of the most successful directors of all time. He's only made like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a child compared to some of the other. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, I, I think that Wingard is taking his craft and he's elevated his filmmaking ability. Uh, I don't think Colin Trevorrow's done that. I think he's he makes okay big budget movies, but Colin Trevorrow's forty five. Well, you know, he's not forty eight. He's a young pup. Yeah, he's a kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I agree a hundred percent. I I he doesn't have to get his prostate checked next year. So you can, <laughs> you can suck it. <laughs> Hear that, Colin Trevor? You can S Sammy's D. Yeah. Finally, you say that. It's not directed to me. I'm kind of yeah. happy. No, um, I mean, I, I just think he's taking the right path. I mean, I, again, I had a mixed reaction to Godzilla versus Kong, but I don't think it's completely on Adam Wingard. I think it's on the the mythos they're setting up there. There's, yeah. a there's too many. There's too many human characters in that damn film. Again, I'll I'll say this, and I say it every time because I think it's very poignant. Those movies are really great for people that want to walk into a scene and just look around at the sky or look for a door. Everybody in those movies walks in and is like. They do so well at it. Yeah. They're they're really good. And Millie Bobby Brown is the greatest actress of all time at trying to find a way out of a big room. (laughs) Yeah. There's probably going to be an honorary (laughs) Oscar for her um, in the coming years. I think my son has a crush on her. He likes to things. I think he's a crush on her. So. 
Well, I'm, I'm going to ask the question. Uh, I'm going to start with the uh, obvious Jose. So the, the whole title is um, not a bomb. So I, I got to ask you, is, is 2016's Blair Witch, is it a bomb? It is not a bomb. And Simon and Adam, if you are hearing this, email me exactly what's going on. And I promise not to share it with anyone else. <laughs> I do. So, uh, Simon and Adam, I know for a fact he will share it with everybody. So don't. Okay. Yeah, I probably will. But, but at the same time, I have to tell you, I always call director's commentaries, uh, film school in a, in a, in a box, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Adam Wingard is very technical. He knows his stuff. He has been, you know, like Sammy said, he's, he's, I think he's on the right path because each movie he's built up his skills he knows creatively where he wants to go and he doesn't want to be sort of a director that doesn't evolve, that doesn't, you know, do something different each time. Um, so I would highly recommend everybody listening to the commentaries, even though they joke, no one listens to the commentaries because you can learn, you can absolutely learn a lot about filmmaking and about how, you know, he thinks as a director and a writer. Well, I'm waiting for you to start that uh, fan club for Adam, uh, <laughs> And and I and I want it to be the fan club where you have to mail it into like a PO box and in return I get one of those fanzines that are photocopied with a yeah. with a membership card and a decoder ring yes and a decoder ring so exactly. like, a, like a badge too and maybe Something. a yeah maybe a maybe a finger tunnel that'll only fit your finger yeah I like that yeah. <laughs> finger I don't like finger tunnel at all no I don't I don't like that at all it, it took you somewhere didn't it yeah it did. Uh, oh, we, we all know what a finger tunnel is. Okay. Oh, we do, don't we? I, wait, I, I have one more thing to mention. Um, Barrett and Wingard have sort of created their own cinematic universe in some ways. So in this film, when they're, when they're looking at the drone, the KPG Corporation logo comes up. And KPG Corporation is the corporation that was mentioned in Your Next that the father worked for. And then in VH, VHS2, uh, phase one clinical trials, they're the corporation that put the implant in his eye. So they've they've connected this universe of KPG. Yeah, you so, it's, the, it's the red apples of the uh, of his. It's a big exactly. Big yeah. Exactly. Yes. And and I will I will cop to the fact that I went on Redbubble and I or I'm sorry T Public and I bought all of the KPG shirts and hoodies and coffee mugs. <laughs> You so, get, get yeah. that fan club going, buddy, because Adam's going to have you over for dinner. You guys are going to hit it off, but man. Uh, All right, Sammy, Blair Witch 2016, <laughs> is it a bomb? Uh, I do not think it's a bomb. No, it's not a bomb. I think it's a decent little horror movie. I don't think it's a great shakes or anything. I mean, it's like like you said, like a Halloween 4 or Halloween 5. I can watch it. Uh, I don't know how many times I would watch it, but... I enjoy all three Blair Witch films. I mean, one of them I think is a masterpiece, and uh, two of them I think are are decent and uh, entertaining, at least in some regard. And yeah, we got to remember, Wingard's only like 38, 39 years old. He's yeah, that's, that's insane to me. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got a lot of talent, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's he's gonna he's gonna hit it again, and people are gonna be like, oh, this guy actually can do. Yeah, I mean, I know he's 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 that good. It just it's a matter of the property. I know a lot of people hoped Godzilla versus versus Kong would have been the one. I don't think that's the one, but he he will be he will be talked about again. 
No, I agree. All right, Brad. So I think we know where you're going to land. So Blair Witch <laughs> bomb, it's not a, a bomb. Absolute, absolute bomb. Absolutely. Um, I do appreciate Jose's explanation of kind of the time loops and all that stuff. Cause yes, I, I, I knew that there was some, some strings being pulled in this film that I, I just was too angry to really see. Um, but for me, these kids are just yelling in the dark at the end of the day. And I don't really care what they do. And um, there's literally one scene where the girl gets snapped and she like falls like an accordion on the ground. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. But that's pretty much it. Pretty much it. So it's a bomb for me. Okay. He's taking his, he's taking his finger tunnel and going home. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, Man, I'm torn on this one. Pick I, a side, goddammit. I think I think yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have to side with Brad on this one and, and call it a bomb because to me, if if I look at the Wolfman and go, well, this is this is how I reacted to that one, and uh I consider it a bomb, whereas I like half of the film, but the the half that I like doesn't outweigh, you know, the the half I didn't like, I, I kind of have the same reaction to this film where I, I there are things that I really love about it that take place in the second half. Um, and I think it is, is it's a fun, like spooky ride um, in the back half, but that first half, Oh my goodness. It's, it's hard to get through. I, I gotta be honest. So um, yeah, but it's not like the slog of the wolf man. That first half is dreadful. Uh, I would say that um, you are wrong. I would probably <laughs> think the first half of the wolf man is now when I say better, we're talking about like two month old moldy cheese versus two month and one day old monthly moldy cheese. So it's it's like very it's, it's very all slim. moldy cheese. It's all moldy cheese. Well, and, but and I to can be fair, rank it. this one's like eighty. You know, this one's ninety minutes long. The Wolfman director's cut was like two fifteen. Yeah, so. it was, it was yeah, it was. But it, it had it. You know, it it had Emily. So. Um, both of them smell like dirty, hairy baggage to bring it back. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, well, hey, running in sweatpants, running after, in yeah. sweatpants. My God, after a nice, a nice run across the Bay Bridge yeah. there. I, uh, I can't thank you guys enough. Like I, I was so excited all week when we kind of put this together and we we're getting closer and closer to record because I just love talking, uh, uh, you know, about movies just generally with you two. Um, and I love it when you're on the show and I, I thought we would have a pretty big and long episode. Um, uh, yeah, I bet this is your longest episode. I guarantee it is. But uh, I, it's, I, it is. Is it? Yeah. I it's think big, so. It's big and long. Yes. Um, it is. But man, like, I, I, I feel like it's the it's it's the perfect Halloween, you know, treat to give everybody just having you two on because I we talk so much outside of it and it's just great to kind of sit down and. I mean, the yeah. only thing that would make this better is for us to just stop recording and then, you know, go off somewhere, grab a couple of beers and watch uh, Champagne and Bullets or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, or watch Book of Shadows like I talked about. Yeah. I mean, that's the great thing about this. This is this to me. This isn't podcasting. This is just hanging out with buddies. Yeah, I agree. You know, when yeah. I was up, when I was up there hanging out, you know, Brad wasn't there, unfortunately, but that that's just that'll, that'll go away. At some point, that'll happen, too. And. You know, you just sit around and talk about movies or you sit around and shop on Amazon. You just do things that are, you know, <laughs> silly. And yeah. uh, I know Jose and I, you know, we, we talked about a lot of stuff when we hung out at Randy's house and my son fell in love with him. And, and it's been great to get to him to be a part of our, like I told him I was going to be talking to Brad and Troy Knight and, and Jose. And he goes, and Jose? 
I was like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's like, can I come in and say hi? I'm like, yeah, yeah. So Jose gets a special, it's got a special hi. Ooh. Yay. Got the special credit and introducing Jose. But it's, yeah. but it's great. That's why I always tell our mutual friend Randy. It's it's about bringing everybody together, right? It, it is, absolutely. It is. I, I agree with you 100%. This didn't really feel like a podcast as much as this is just uh, hanging out. We stopped texting for a couple hours and actually just talked so to each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's much yeah, quicker. The other day when we were texting, I was like, Jesus Christ, I got to get, I got to quit. I got work to do. And I'm sitting there just texting, texting, texting. Poor Brad comes back to like 50 messages. I Sometimes I come back from a meeting and there was like 57 messages. I'm like, I missed a whole lot. And I'm, you know what? I can't, I can't go back. I'm just going to pretend that I was in here the whole time. Uh, well, it's great. It's great. Brad, so Troy, you'll have to, you'll have to let us know if, I can't remember. Has there been a tie like this? On, well, oh, we no. never. Well, wait. You've never had a four. We you've had never four. had a four guest, right? We had we one had a four of for solo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, we've, we've, we've had four. a couple of fours. Oh yeah, yeah. and then for the outlaws. Yep. Yeah, the outlaws. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Has there had. ever been like a two and two? No. Like no. this? Nope. 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 Okay. This is a this is our first wow. deadlock. We are a hung jury. Did I say that right? There you go. Yeah. That is that is the term. <laughs> so that means we're gonna have to come back for some tiebreaker at some point, all four of us. So my camera pointed down. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, <hung> jury, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> hey Brad, let me, you wanna, take, let me take that vest off. <laughs> you want to talk about what we uh, what we just did uh, yesterday and what's coming out? Uh, yeah, so we guested on the Iron sequel with James, and nice. we did the Chronicles of Riddick. So we have oh. podcasted a lot this week, and we'll continue to do more podcasting because yeah. uh, we will yeah, we'll talk about some more Cowboy Bebop later this week. But yeah, we were on um, we were on a guest we were guesting on another podcast, and and to be fair, James was the first to ask. Um, it's like almost a year so, ago. It feels like, yeah, yeah. So, and we said, you know what? Not right now. We got to get our own stuff under, under control. I have to get my podcasting legs back underneath me. And then he kept asking. And so we said, yes. And we were honored to be on there. It was a great conversation. Um, James and, and, and us, we hit it off immediately. And it's always nice when you're going to talk to someone for two hours about a movie and you don't know them exactly. And you're like, oh no, this is feels natural and is totally fine, and this guy's cool. So no, it was it was super fun. Um, I think that podcast is coming out. He said maybe in a week or so. So yeah. look for that. We'll link it and all that stuff on our social. So yeah, see, he's our people. Like yeah. Randy said, it's our people, right? Yeah, so there you go. Usually, like if if you have movies in common with people, and and James is a big horror guy. You, you already got something in common and you already know like, okay, at, at least we can talk about X, Y, and Z. Um, and yeah, we just hit it off. And it I've, great. I've, I've listened to James. So James has been on the GGTMC before, I think. So I remember him from those episodes. Um, yeah. I, I do really like his podcast a lot. Um, and I, I gave him this compliment. One of the most recent films that he just talked about was Necromantic 2. And I'm telling you, I would never in a million years, those, those movies are not on my radar. I don't want to see them. But hearing his show, and I told him this, I was like, I'm almost ready to watch that just based on your experience to it. But James mm-hmm. James is a great guy. And um, I, I know typically his shows you know, have a particular runtime. I feel like 
as soon as the three of us got on and we started talking, we blew his, his typical runtime out of the water. So, um, we, we had a blast yesterday, uh, in a big, well, thing not to you. spoil your opinions or whatever, but I think Chronicles of Riddick is a beautiful disaster. I, I probably watched it more than I really should and listen to the commentary and watch the directors. I love that movie. It's, it's, it's fabulous. It's, uh, it's wonderful. I, again, I hated another, it. <laughs> another one of these moments. Another one of these moments where me and Jose are in Zapatico. Yeah, I I loved it. Um, you all, you all are so wrong. That movie. <laughs> Brad had terrible. a meltdown. Let's just say Brad remember, had a meltdown. Remember, remember he he did say the words "beautiful disaster." Yeah, yeah. beautiful, like Army of the Dead. I well, you will have to listen for oh, Jose, James. No, uh, no don't way. Don't you start Jose. with Army of the yeah. Dead. <laughs> I, we went a whole I, two hours and something. Not mention that. Piece I made of that crap. joke last time. I wasn't. Yeah. I can't. You know me. My jokes yeah. are witty and always funny. I can't use the same joke twice. Glad you guys, Come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys had fun with James. James is actually he's an admin over at the GGTMC group, so he's been a friend of ours for a long time. So yeah, I know. he's a great guy. Um, Brad, how do they reach us if they want to share their thoughts on uh, Blair Witch or give us some more recommendations? We've yeah, got um, two more episodes coming out for Halloween season, but if you want to send two. a couple more, let us know. Yeah, it's uh, notabombpod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, we also are soliciting reviews. If anyone hasn't left us a review on, on Apple a podcast. We're like, we have 169 five-star reviews. So if you want to give us close to 200, leave us a review, please. Yeah. Please. 69. Yeah, so, 169. Uh, should we talk about what next week's movie is? Yeah. Cause I forgot what it was. We, so I need to know so I can watch it. Yeah. Uh, this was one that again, it got requested last year when we were putting the, the first Halloween season, it's come up multiple times. To be fair, also your daughter wanted to do it. And my daughter has yeah. lobbied for this what? film every day since we started the podcast. Uh, and, and I think the timing of it is perfect because Cassandra Peterson has her memoirs out. And I've been listening to it on an audiobook. I know Brad has too. Same here, yes. Yes, but we're going to discuss another film from possibly the greatest year in film history, 1988. But we're going to tackle Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Yay. Yes. That's awesome. I have a That's confession. a great movie. I've never seen oh. it. Oh. I've never seen So it, it, this is the thing, and this is you guys are going to be completely bewildered and befuddled and all those B words. Uh, I didn't really grow up with Elvira and like Joe Bob. or Like those people are not – I'm more of like Tales from the Crypt. Like that's my hmm. – I know they're different, but like that was – that's how I – that's basically how I got into horror is HBO Tales from the Crypt. Okay. So mm-hmm. no, yeah. it's, it's going to be interesting We're we are going to kind of tackle the horror host genre. Uh, okay. if you want to call it that. And I don't know if we're going to go through like a thorough history lesson, but I got to say this, I mean, from the audio book, I think I've only got three hours left, but, uh, her, her whole story is super fascinating. So we're not going to get into it cause we're going to concentrate on the film and horror host in general. But um, I strongly encourage everybody to go out and pick up that memoir, and it's uh, it's it's a fascinating read. I mean, it's got a lot of juicy tidbits to it, but it's also interesting to kind of get her take on her own career and the ups and downs to it. She's she's got a very unique voice in terms of storytelling and 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 her own narrative. 
And she yeah, and she narrates the. I mean, she reads yes. the book, so it's really, oh yeah, yep. I plan to check that out. Yep. Well, listen, uh, Sammy, you guys are on hiatus, right? So, um, pina yeah, coladas. I'm not doing a very good job of. Yeah, I'm not doing a very good job of <laughs> podcasting every every other day. It's been fun. <laughs> Feels like it, um, but they can still go back and listen to the 1,242 episodes of the GGTMC, right? <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, you can definitely still check it out. And uh, hopefully, you know, we've made some progress behind the scenes. So hopefully some <laughs> things will develop. But still taking time off so I can record 55 other podcasts and uh, <laughs> try, to, try to figure out how to control that. But awesome. No, You just can't say no. You're just, just too nice. No, it's, it's, it's fun to come. It's always fun to do this. But it's fun because it's like we just said, it's talking movies with friends. And that's just something I like to do. You know, and you don't have to edit. That's the best part. <laughs> and you're good I don't at it. Do any of the hard work? Yeah, you're I don't really good work. at it too. Right? We just guest and go, guest yeah. and go. So, Jose, <laughs> hit, hit you've, it got and a, you've got a YouTube yeah. channel that you started up here recently too, right? With some content out there. Not yet, but it will be happening. <laughs> yeah, oh, it will, but be it will happen. Okay, it will be. Yeah. Please tell me I the first video is going to be dedicated to Adam Wingard. The first thing you put out. there. <laughs> No, unfortunately, no. But I will. I will figure something out. <laughs> All right. Well, we we will push that. So be on the lookout for it. And um, Brad, is there anything else? Did we cover like the full gambit tonight? I think so. We covered a lot. I, yeah, I think we did some trivia. And we, un- we we uncovered a lot. As yes, well. we did. Yes, we I did. should probably put my pants back on, but. Um, I got to tell you guys, uh, it is an absolute blast. I can't say that enough. And folks. Seriously, thank you for downloading the show, for listening, for sending us emails. Chris, thank you for sending that trivia our way. It is always amazing to put Brad's brilliance and and just amazing memory on display, especially all things Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I, I challenge everybody to see if they can stump Brad. Just send it, send it my way. Put it, you know, Whoa. Troy oh, Troy's God. eyes only, and I'll I'll make sure to to read that. I bit. respect it too. I I respect it fully. Yeah, he's a machine, man. So, but listen, thank you for downloading the episode. Thank you for listening to us and just, you know, eavesdropping on a typical conversation between the four of us because this is really what it's like. And uh, I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, or evening. I hope you're having an awesome day. And we are looking forward to catching you back uh, same time next week when we talk Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Don't lose your head. Hey, 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 hey.